does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Some good breakdown from Terry Moore and the IU women's basketball coach, the second-ranked Hoosiers winners last night at Assembly Hall. It is Friday, and it is a big show. What a lineup today with the coach, Dane Fife. The coach. I'm Vince Welch, along with the producer, Jimmy Cook. Indiana legend Steve Alford joining us later this hour. How about that? You know, his team at uh, Nevada is balling out. They play tonight. Rare to have a coach on game day. Do a little radio. Mighty kind of him. Yeah, I was. Just, I badgered him into yeah. it. He owes me one. I know you. I wouldn't. He wouldn't have done it voluntarily without a little badgering. No, he owes well me. Well done. He owes me big time. Alford will join us shortly. The top team in the land, number one, Purdue. Bounced back from the IU loss and handled Iowa in front of a raucous crowd at Mackey Arena. You heard from Matt Painter and Braden Smith uh, on those clips to start us off. And, uh, boy, what a game from Braden Smith last night. Hey, uh, speaking of the crowd, Record crowd for the women's hoops at Assembly Hall. Second-ranked Hoosiers held off fifth-ranked Iowa. IU coach Terry Morin joins us later this hour. Well, you were busy last night. You got Alford. You got Terry Morin. Hey. Well done. I do what I do. We, we don't keep you around here for your good looks. No, I don't claim to be a handsome man. <laughs> Pacers return to the floor tonight at Cambridge. Phoenix Suns are in town, so uh, that'll be a good one. Get out the seatbelts. Host of Pacers postgame, Eddie White, will be in with us. Is that right? Next hour, Jimmy? Ed. That is accurate, sharing some Super Bowl stories. He's a walking encyclopedia yeah. of all things sports, particularly the big game. You know, and he worked with the Dolphins back in the Dan Marino era, so he'll, be, he'll have some good Super Bowl stuff for us, too. Uh, speaking of uh, the NFL, do the Colts have their man? Going to hit up Mike Chappell for the latest, plus a, a couple of Colts missed out on the Hall of Fame selection last night. We'll chat with that, uh, chat about that. Uh, what else we got going? Indy's own Connor Daly. We know about his IndyCar skills, IndyCar driver extraordinaire, but what is he doing trying to make the Daytona 500? We'll ask him about that. He joins us later in the show. Butler rolls out the uh, rock at Hinkle tonight. Rival Xavier in for what is always a brawl between Butler and Xavier. Expect nothing different uh, tonight. And uh, Dane, how about, uh, speaking of Butler, Chris Holtman's Ohio State Buckeyes lost at home to Northwestern last night. Ohio State has dropped 10 of the last 11 how hot is the seat in Columbus for Holtman right now? That's cool. Holtman's a good coach. No, he's a uh, guy. I think he's a great coach. Well, but no, you I lose know, ten I, of eleven I, at Ohio I, State. Yeah, I know. I know you're speaking for me. You're not speaking for yourself, Vince, because I know you think <laughs> Holt's a good coach. I, I think it's a. They're a young. They're a young squad. Um, Northwestern's good. Now that doesn't answer for the ten of eleven that Ohio State's lost, but Northwestern's good. Think about who they've beat on the road. Michigan State, the Indiana Hoosiers, and now the Ohio State Buckeyes. Jimmy, did I miss any? No, I I'm not I... saying Northwestern's not good, but Gosh. you're Ohio State. Jimmy, do you feel like... 10 of the last you, 11? Do you feel like Vince is trying to dig out, dig himself out of the hole he <laughs> thinks no, he's created? I'm not digging a hole out of the hole at all because I think... I love Chris Holtman. Hated to see him leave Butler. Yeah. But when you're at Ohio State no, I, and I you lose 10 of 11... Yeah. I think it's tough not to, I get what Vince is saying. I think it's tough not Jeez. to scratch the head a little bit at a program like that where the bar is elevated. Maybe it's not as high I, I as Indiana or I do. I, I'm sure it's 
how hot is the seat? I, I'm I, not saying he's on his way out. I'm just asking you how hot's the seat. Maybe I you said it's cool. Okay, that's that's all we need to know. <laughs> you guys are digging out of your. That's it. Let's turn our mics off. I'm wondering if it's really oh, so on a on a scale of one to ten. When 10 is hot and he's on his way out, and one is nobody's batting an eye at them losing 10 of the last 11, what is the number for Holtman right now at Ohio State? Um, I would say a fan base probably ha- would have it close to maybe a 12. A, yeah, 12. But, <laughs> but the people that understand what's, what's going on, um, if you consider contract, if you consider how youthful the team is, if you consider that Chris Holtman's never not been to an NCAA tournament ever mm. in his head coaching Power Five career, um, Chris Holtman's just fine. I like Holtman. I'm just at Ohio, so, you know, the expectations are high. Hey, it's worth talking about. Yeah. Expectations are high. Um, you know, uh, Bo Borowski, uh, NCAA uh, official, basketball official. Elite. One of the best. I, I, if there's a – there is there an NCAA basketball official Hall of Fame? There should be. If there's not, there should be. And and he would be an early inductee. He I mean, he's a first, first ballot. ballot. First yeah, he's ballot a first guy. balloter. Um, Bo reft Bo reft on um, – Punchki Day, ref to Michigan State one day on Punchki Day. And, and what is that? Uh, Punchki Day? Yeah. Punchki Day is a Polish holiday. And Bo being Polish and yeah. myself being Irish, um, Bo missed a call, I thought. And um, I threatened him, hey, Paul, I got a whole box of Punchkis for us to chow on after this game. <laughs> you you do something like that again. <laughs> No punchkis for you. Is a punchki? Is that like a sweet or is it a? What is it? Is it a? Is it? It's an edible. It's an edible. It's an edible. <laughs> not, not in today's version of edibles. I, mean, I would it? say it is edible. It's yeah. it's a um, pastry, is it like a Danish a donut, or pastry? Uh, one yeah, of those okay. filled donuts. Okay, I would say. Yeah, we might have Bo um, break down the break uh, it down. What a break punchki, down the punchki. Exactly. and even how to spell it for us. <laughs> <laughs> Bo Borowski's lat you were doing a little which I gotta say I was impressed uh you were doing some research actually yeah. in here <laughs> and uh and Bo Borowski's last game was the NCAA championship game NCAA final for Duke North Carolina Is Coach, Coach K's, K's last, last game. game yep he refed the he officiated the national championship the year before in which Baylor won um I think his his main conference is the Big Ten, but they have what's good. They're officials. They have what's called an official consortium. They belong to a certain consortium, which is usually uh, regional. And I think Bo has refed Big East. Um, he's re- and then he's refed. You know, he's not. He he doesn't think of himself as such a big deal that he's not willing to ref the lower levels of Division One, maybe Division Two. Yeah. He just he was a guy that. I think he he enjoys refing. Um, I wonder if he still. I wonder if he misses it. Indiana guy, right? Well, he lives in Indiana. I believe he's originally from Georgia. He he's a, and you kind of described it there without calling him this, but like if he were a player, I'd call him a gym rat. You know, kind of a gym rat guy. And yeah. as an official, he was that kind of guy, right? I mean, he'd call. I think so. He just loved calling games. I think so. I think you, you it know. didn't have to be whether it yeah. was the. Of course, you always want the NCAA championship game, but like you said, some of the lower game, he would still give that everything he had, just like he would 
Yeah. The big game. And the reason I felt it a good idea to have him on here, after all, this is my show, Vince. I know. It's the Dane Fife Show, as was <laughs> as was noted last night on the uh, <laughs> Purdue telecast on ESPN. Reese yeah. Davis calling out Seth Greenberg. If you listened yeah. to the show yesterday, oh, yeah. Seth was on, and uh, he was uh, trying to order a number six at Jersey Mike's while doing the show, which was quite rude, Vince. but he was doing it. And, you know, it's like, give us five minutes and then go eat your lunch. Vincey. But he couldn't do it. So last night, Reese Davis was busting the chops of Seth Greenberg yeah. and he said you know you were trying to order a Jersey Mike's while on the Dane Fife show <laughs> well put, done coach green coach Seth Greenberg my man love him he put us on pause not once <laughs> twice but twice and but the reason I want I asked Bo to come on is because the NCA official seemingly right now maybe it's just because I watch college hoops so much there's more scrutiny at being an NCAA, that an NCAA official has to deal with than the president of the United States. I think I'd rather be the president than be an NCAA an official. Wow. Boy, that's a tough one. When it I, comes to scrutiny. I think the president's the worst job. I, why anybody would want that gig. But the NCAA official, you know you're, you're pissing half the people off. Every every single time you either blow the whistle or don't blow the whistle, half the people are mad. At least half the people are mad at you. Yeah, you have to be perfect. Yeah. It's perfection. I don't even think you have to be perfect as the president of the United States. Well, I mean, nobody's perfect. True, but as an NCAA yeah. official, NCAA hoops official, you have to be perfect. I'll be curious, and and we'll we'll ask Bo this, and and uh, because. You know, I know they review game tape and, you know, they're just like a team, you know, I mean, they're breaking down the footage of games and uh, evaluating themselves and everything. And and so let's let's get right to it with uh, official extraordinaire Bo Borowski with uh, Vince Welch and Dane Fife. Hey, Bo, how are you? Well, I'm doing good. You you two sound like twin brothers. So, you know, maybe you could start each sentence with like. Hey, Dane here, or, you know, that type of thing. Bo, are you suggesting that my voice is as deep as Fences? Oh, geez, never mind. Now that I heard you up close, no yeah. I know who the professional I mean, is here. Yeah, yeah, he's the pro. I'm the hack. <laughs> well, that's something. He's got a Ball State hat on. Go Michael Lewis. You called some games at, uh, you've called some games in Muncie in your, uh, in your days. Illustrious career, yeah. call it. Yeah, yeah, stick to the script. I, I have worked. Uh, a decent amount of games. My second game ever was at Worthen. Who was the Loved coach? It. Who was the coach was then? Kind of the uh, that was um, the coach at that time. Ronnie. Oh my gosh, I'm, Tim. 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 Uh, Buckley. Oh, Buckley. Tim Buckley. Yeah. Wow, Bo. Buckley. Oh, you're older gosh. than I thought. If he's yeah, if he's listening, he's going to be upset. But uh, yes, Coach Buckley. I th- yeah, I I think uh, I think Bo has there's a, there's a backstory there maybe that. Uh, Maybe maybe we might, if if time, you know, in the next hour, if time with Bo, he could maybe share with it. But hey, hey Bo, uh, you're 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 uh, six months out. Do you miss being an NCAA official? You know, in short, no. Um, I, I was talking to some friends and uh, family last night. That exact question came out. I don't uh, surprise myself a little bit. I thought there would be some anxiety, some FOMO going on. Uh, but I really don't. Uh, I think it's in large part because I've moved on to the, you know, to the next chapter in my mind, and it's kept me, you know, it's kept me involved in a 
in a very big way in the officiating world, mm-hmm. not just the men's basketball and all sports. So surprisingly, surprisingly enough, the answer is no. Now, I know you listened to our show. I know you listened for a full three hours yesterday. Yep, religiously. religiously. Yeah, sure. One of the main yeah. reasons um, <laughs> I asked you on, one, is because I have unbelievable respect for, for you and the job you you did as an official, but um, just the job overall. And officials are taking, as usual, a lot of heat. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're in a different era. You know, a lot of... A lot of uh, arenas play, inst- you know, the replays on the on the big board. But um, for me, this isn't just you show up as an official. You don't just show up at, you know, 20 minutes before the game. And then when it's over, you go home and, and eat popcorn. Uh, can you take us through what an official does uh, before a game, during a game, after a game? And what I'm really interested in is kind of the during the game and after the game, during the game, the stuff you deal with after the game, how you how you, the self-improvement, the self-evaluation, and then the evaluation from seemingly the world. Yeah, fair question for sure. Um, I mean, look, you can't live in Indianapolis. And by the way, I've been here for 24 years now just for the record lived in georgia born in new jersey so uh little you, that told me you, you know yeah i can hear that i accent. try to be neutral in my accent but um you can't live in indianapolis and work in the big 10 primarily and and not expect some level of you know scrutiny mm-hmm. it's obvious and it was expected and obviously social media uh, you know, puts the puts the uh, microscope on it for sure. So there's there's always that piece. But you, you mentioned evaluation. Uh, every game uh, that we go through, we're we're evaluated on a litany of of, of topics: uh, fitness, mobility. Uh, which I get an A plus. Yeah, on. you never had an issue uh, with that. Those those guns no, were I'm flashing. Deceptively slow. Um, Very slow. Communication skills was a big one. You know, they wanted to see you engage, uh, obviously. Um, the big one, obviously, is the call accuracy, the judgment. You know, that's that's the single most thing we're charged to do is mm-hmm. differentiate between illegal and incidental, which, you know, remains today and 100 years from now the most difficult thing. Yeah. Um, but the bench decorum, how do we handle bench decorum, yeah. which includes, you know, head coaches and uh, assistant coaches uh, and, of course, the players. Um, it's been a while since I've seen one of these evaluations, so I'm shooting from the hip a little bit. Um, you know, our engagement with the monitor, did we go when we were supposed to? Mm-hmm. You know, the monitor, they added a rule in the NCAA rulebook, which is Rule 11, uh, you know, basically called uh, the monitor replay. And um, there's all these different rules on when you're required to go, requested to go. Uh, have the option to go? When do you charge a timeout? It, it's clear as mud. I mean, it's 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 just a difficult thing to do. But you know, they evaluate you on that piece too. So that, that's like the high level kind of evaluation that happens after every game, right? Both at the conference and the NCA level. Um, but before a game, you know, what, once those games begin. Yeah. You know, we have consumed as officials so much information of video content and <laughs> tests and quizzes and directives and points of emphasis. Yeah. And, um, 
I you don't. Know, then you get into the pregame stuff, yeah. where it's like, all right, we're getting ready to go. Um, you know what? What are the tendencies? Who are the problem children? What do we need to watch out for? What video have we been sent specific to this game? And right, I think that's points. a big part. And I don't want to interrupt you here, but that's a big part, Bo. Is it's game to game, and your mindset sure. and the things that are put in your head as an official, they vary from literally game to game. And you mentioned yeah. it, um, problem coaches, the problem players. Um, what what have you been asked to maybe um, look for in a particular game? I mean, we were – Zach Eady. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a whole different – I hate to say it. And I, I hope I don't put fill – your, fill your, you know, put silly words in your mouth, but it, it changes how you have to officiate in a sense, doesn't it? Well, it certainly does, because it's not every day we see 7-4. You're right. Um, and, and I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but the Big Ten had nine people, 6-11 or taller. Mm-hmm. So we got a little bit more condition to it. But okay. the biggest thing, when you talk about Zach Eady, is don't penalize that kid for being 7-4. It's mm-hmm. not his fault right. that he turns around and somebody goes flying. If it's illegal contact, sorry, Zach, it's illegal contact. Right. But that was a song that Coach Painter would sing. Like, don't hold it against him that that he's, you know, bigger than everyone else. And I think that's a fair point for sure. Right. Chatting with uh, former NCAA basketball official Bo Borowski, whose uh, final game ever in his career was uh, the uh, 2021 National Championship game. Is that right? Does uh, Coach uh, K's final game? Yeah, you know, he got all the publicity about his last game, and I let him have the limelight. But yeah, I think that was it. Was that's just the person you are, Bo? That's yeah. why you're on here. I mean, we got a choices, yeah. and we chose you, Vince and I. Did he acknowledge? Did he know that was your last game? Um, you're asking me if, if, if did Coach, Coach K, K know? My last yeah, game? or no that uh, that and it was his last game, and, and it was your and, last and game, Bo's last game. Two two countrymen. Yeah, I, I don't, two countrymen. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think he knew. Because how many uh, games do you think you co- you officiated uh, of Shashevsky's over the years? Uh, probably give or take around a dozen. I didn't work much yeah. uh, in in the ACC for sure, but I would have you know Duke on the road. Yeah, and, but still, and, if it's uh, a if, yeah, if he worked a, if you worked a dozen of his games, he certainly knows who. You, I mean, the coaches they all know the officials right sure. i mean it's uh it's i mean you can't you can't get away with uh or get away from who's actually calling the game i mean you guys yeah. the coaches study that just like they would an opposing player i know who's the last guy you teed up oh uh the last guy i teed up oh my goodness Izzo. the last <laughs> uh i'll rack my brain and come up with it i can't think of it right now um by default, maybe I'll just say Fran McCaffrey, but um, I, I I can't remember what that is. I'll, I'll, let me think about it. But um, you know, I tried to let the communication piece, you know, kind of the whole prepare and prevent went yeah. out. And, yeah, prepare and prevent. You know, look for that diplomatic outcome, but that's that's you know doesn't speak to the fact that coaches take technical fouls intentionally. You know, they've yeah. got seventeen thousand people there, and they might be down eight to ten points with eight minutes to go. It's like, hey, let me make a last-ditch effort here to get the fans involved, and they'll even give you a heads-up sometimes. Like, all right, Bo, I'm going to throw my coat, and here we go. And it's happened, and it's great. I mean, that's 
You know you're not getting a phone call on that one. Right, right. Bo, the, the other thing I, I just – I love when people just – sound off about officials having agendas, having agendas against certain coaches, having agendas for certain teams, having agendas for certain leagues. Um, the, the role of an official, I've always said this and felt this. Um, the, one, you mentioned it, be a really good communicator, a communicator to the players, communicator to the press row, or not press row, but the the staff that, that uh, operates the game and helps you guys. Be a good communicator to each coaching staff. But the other part I felt like, that, you know, it's like a glue guy, you know, like a glue guy on a team. The role of an official is to somewhat just manage the game and remain invisible. Yeah, I won't disagree with that. Um, I, I always talk about, you know, I mentioned it earlier, how important judgment is. In determining what is and isn't, but a close second, and I won't even say number two, I always call it 1B, is the ability to communicate. And as you know, Dane, a guy you worked for up in Michigan, right? Like he tested those limits in terms of engaging. And some people you use a fly swatter and some people you use a hammer. And, you know, Coach Izzo, if he were standing here next to me, you know, you've got you've got to have that eye contact. You've got to have that ability to engage and interact. And once you earn that respect from a guy like him, then you do earn the benefit of the doubt. But that the whole vendetta or agenda approach, I mean, it just doesn't hold any water. That kind of conspiracy theory. Right. Things right. happen so quickly. You don't have time to process that. You've got to, you've got to run through four or five scenarios within a three quarters of a second. And, and and it's just not realistic to say, now, wait a minute, <laughs> who do I want to win here? Or, um, <laughs> oh, that's right, I don't like this guy. Right. It's just not realistic. And keeping in mind that when whether it's you all or the general public that watch a game and they show you the replay, you know what's coming. Right. And the officials in real time, we have no idea mm-hmm. that what you just saw on replay was yeah. about to happen. So that's why that – the teaching and training aspect so big. You've got to train yourself just to see in your piece of the pie, but you better be cognizant of the other two from a periphery standpoint. It's just, it's a, it's kind of a fool's errand to, um, you know, even engage in the craft, but those that do and understand, you know, how the game's played, um, certainly benefits you in the long run. We've got less than a minute. We're with Bo Borowski, former NCAA official. One more, uh, and then we'll let you go, Bo. You talked a little bit about sure. the instant replay. Um, there was a time when the the replay wasn't around and the game seemed to go just fine. Now the replay, some people hate it because it draws out the game. Is it better or worse without the replay? I mean, you guys didn't miss many, but it's natural that you'd miss a few without the replay. So now that we've got the replay, does it make it better or not from an official standpoint? Well, the best way I can answer that to say the people have spoken, that um, the mistakes are borderline not acceptable. So they brought in technology. If I were king for a day, I'd throw it out. I, I, I just think the human element is a part of the game. Yep, yep. Um, but at the same time, it's a part of our game. I don't want to be a martyr, and they, I didn't get a vote. Uh, when all of this was was put into place. I will give the NCAA a ton of credit. They do continue to add 
different ways to go to the monitor, but they've limited it to the last two minutes of a game where teams can't recover from potentially an egregious mistake um, and certainly last two minutes of overtime. So they're trying to operate within that two-hour window uh, when talking about men's and women's basketball. Um, but it's, it's, like I said, it's a difficult topic to discuss because people are not willing to accept human error and, yeah. and and that just makes it more difficult yeah not going to put that genie back in the bottle now though either i mean now that it's out and it's out there yeah. it's not going to change bo we appreciate it thanks for the insight uh very interesting uh, enjoyed it wonderful career and he's going to uh, make a comeback you heard it here first there you go <laughs> good luck with that yeah hey thanks so much i'm headed to get some pierogies and kielbasa so that away bo go get them this is over <laughs> get them right. sounds good guys thanks Thank bo you. That's Bo Borowski, former NCAA official. Were you ever, as an assistant, Dane, were you ever teed up? I got banged my first year uh, as an assistant at Michigan State. Uh, the ref made a mistake. He thought I was yelling to him, and I was <laughs> screaming to a player to get back on defense. He came over, subsequently apologized. However, uh, Clark Kellogg and CBS had already spoken about it. Oh. Jimmy is very upset with yeah, us. We're late. Got to go to break. 93.5, 1075, the fan. <laughs> Hey, we don't play that on the air too often. That's the Nevada fight song. The That's Nevada a great Wolf fight Pack. Song. That is a great fight song. The head coach of the Wolf Pack, Steve Alford, joins us on game day too. Uh, thanks, Steve. And, and uh, Dane, Dane said he had to strong arm you to get you on here today for a few minutes. So we appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> coach, you owed, you owed me one as a former, as your as your host when when you came and visited us at Michigan State. Right? That's the way I felt. Yeah, you you took care of me. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, St- Coach Alford came to visit us. He was just kind of watching to see it, learn some things. Uh, I don't know, what was that, five, six years ago? And we're getting ready to play Michigan for the Big Ten Championship. And he's dug right in there with us. And Izzo's asking him all kinds of, what would you do on this? What would you do on this? And I'm standing over here. It wasn't my scalp. I'm like, hey. Hello, hello, Coach, I'm over here. Come on now. <laughs> he was Izzo was probably making the right choice, I'm guessing. He was, no coach. he did. And, and you know what, we won the game. Yeah. We won the game, and we had a recruit on his visit. He committed. Coach Alford got it done for us. No, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do with it. I, I didn't, no, you did you not. Know, <laughs> you know how much respect I have for uh, Coach Izzo, and um, he reaches out to me a couple times a year, and I greatly appreciate it. And um, he just got an amazing, as you know, an amazing culture up there. That um, you know, I think anybody that's had an opportunity to be at one place that long and do yeah. what he's done has been pretty impressive. Yeah, that's right. What you're doing there is pretty impressive, too. You guys are playing some good ball. Uh, you won three in a row coming off that big win against uh, New Mexico. Um, One-pointer. Man, you've had a couple of tough ones with them. What, double overtime the first time around and then got them by one uh, the other night? Yeah, this is just a – it's a really good basketball league. I, I've yeah. been very fortunate. I was at New Mexico first and then had my stint at UCLA and now back in the league again, and this is my 10th year, and – it's just a really good – it doesn't maybe get the attention. I think we're starting to gain some attention. But, you know, we got five teams right now currently in the top 38 of net. And right. we're the only league in the country that's got five teams that have won 19 games. I mean, it's just a, it's a really competitive league with great environments, great gymnasiums. Uh, it's a lot of fun to coach in. And our guys are having no seniors and losing two key players – 
in October and November. Our guys have done just a, a, a great job, and we got a big one tonight against Fresno. Talking with Steve Alford, uh, the head coach in Nevada, uh, and you mentioned the number of teams in the league that have won 19. You guys have won 19, 19 and 6, 9 and 3 in the Mountain West, second place a game behind San Diego State, play Fresno State tonight. And is there a big difference between college basketball and different regions of the country? I mean, you mentioned UCLA, so you've been out west. You, you've obviously your experience around the country. You grew up in Indiana and now in Nevada. What's the big difference between regions of the country and the way they accept receive view uh, criticize coach uh, basketball from the sidelines maybe yeah i think uh, uh well if you're talking social media and the criticisms those 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 go across the globe so you, you can't I, I think that's probably the same everywhere but um i, I think the biggest difference that i've seen because i've coached and played in the big 10 i uh, grew up uh, my entire life in the Midwest. I, there's nothing like Big Ten atmospheres and game to game. Now, there are a few. Uh, I won't probably go into it, but I'm old school. The old Big Ten was the Big Ten uh, mm-hmm. to me as yeah. far as environments and those type of things. I think a little bit has um, just through the expansion maybe changed that a little bit. But the Big Ten's always going to be a league that um, is going to – and I think the Big 12 right now – is mirroring that as far as environments and level teams. And when you get out West, I, I think one, you've got a vastness of land. And so travel's a little bit greater. Mm-hmm. You're, not, uh, you're not doing a lot of bus trips like you can in the big 10 um, to this day. And there's more to do. You're, you got coastlines, you got mountains. And so getting fans to the stands is a little bit, I think different than what it is. Uh, in Big Ten environments from that standpoint. And, and Coach, down, Dane here, down, I know you don't recognize, you know, I, Vince's voice is just so soothing, and now you've got me <laughs> and to throw you, throw you a muck. But, um, so we're getting into the nitty-gritty down the stretch, and I, you mentioned your league, just how how good it is. It, it's really impressive. You go down the list of, of in the standings, and you got Colorado State kind of near the bottom, but it just they're a, they're a good program. Nico's done a great job. It speaks to just how good the league is. Um, but as you get down the stretch, um, can you kind of cover the things that you and your staff talk about besides the the while well, we take it game by game? Because at some point you have to start eyeing that are you know you're good enough for the NCAA tournament. You're good enough whether it's an at large bid or you win and win the conference outright. Or you win the your uh, your league tournament. When you look ahead, you know what what are some things that you and your staff uh, talk about in terms of preparing for the future. Um, you know, as you start eyeing the conference tournament and then the NCAA tournament. Yeah, as you know, I, I think you you've got to win the day. You, you yeah. got to pay attention to the day. And you're right. Um, you know, we're competitors, so you look ahead and you try to. You know, you try to figure this one out. But I think when you do that, um, you know, and I played for Coach, and I thought he was the best. It, I mean, I can remember him. <laughs> I remember having good games and coming the next day thinking, hey, he's going to be really happy. And <laughs> no, he, uh, he gets me right back to the day yeah. at hand. And I yeah. think that's why um, I appreciate him so much because I thought he made me better that way. He didn't yeah. allow me to get comfortable and so players see that. It's different today, as you know, with social media. 
there's so much out there. There's so much information, good, yeah. bad, and ugly. And I think as coaches today, it's even harder and more important that you just try to get your guys yeah. to concentrate on the game at hand. I had my radio yeah. show last night, and it was brought up. Hey, you got six games left. If you do this, this, and this, yeah. you're fine. You don't yeah. know that. Nobody knows that. <laughs> so I just hope our league gets the respect yeah. that some of these other leagues get. That yeah. Everybody in the last three weeks, there's going to be games where you're beating up on one another. Yeah. You... And somebody has to lose in our top five. But, you know, I don't think our nets are going to move that much. And if you got nets inside the top 40, uh, from a national tournament standpoint, you know, to me, that's really good, especially in leagues like our own. So, I hope our guys can just focus on the yeah. the day at hand. Win the day. If you can win the day, it kind of takes care of the week, the month, the year. And uh, if you start skipping past the day, then you end up, I think, hurting yourself down the road. So you can can you see it to where the the Mountain West gets five teams in? I certainly can. I mean, I don't yeah. know the the history of the Mountain West and the NCAA tournament, how many teams they get in, how many don't. But can you see it? I mean, is it is it possible? Yeah, when we were at New Mexico, uh, we got five in one year when okay. we were at New Mexico, and it was uh, a really good league, but it was top-heavy. Yeah. And this year, you've already mentioned Colorado State. Well, you got the kid Stevens. He's a first-team all-leaguer. Hmm. Uh, you got Wyoming, who was picked second. They're last in our league right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got some really good teams uh, at, that's supposedly the bottom of our league right now. And, you know, Fresno's in, I think, seventh place. They're really good basketball. Very dangerous, yeah. Yeah, so it's it, it, the difference in when we took five the last time out of Mountain West is I think top to bottom the league's better this year. So mm-hmm. if you finish in those top five and win the games that you're you're winning, um, I think there's a high probability we can get five in. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, Coach. We appreciate you taking the time on uh, game day and um means a lot that uh, you shared a few minutes with us and always good to touch base with you. Wish you the best tonight. Go get them tonight, number 12. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Okay, that's Steve Alford. Always good to hear. You know, you talk number about the 12, voices. Number 12, man. His voice, you, oh. he's, his voice is one of those voices that whenever you hear it, you know who you're listening to. Soothing. Is that right? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, that's the way I feel. And maybe it's just because I've been around sports for a long time. But some people's voice, you hear it and you know exactly who they are. Yeah, but that's number 12. That's yeah. Stevie. A, a guy just... He's he's iconic. Touch the socks and sink the free throw. Great socks, great yeah. socks, great shoes, <laughs> great, hey. great, um, great form. But go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of great, a uh, great win last night for the IU women, ranked number Killing two it. in the country. And we're going to talk with their head coach, Terry Morin, when we come back on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Hey, we don't play that on the air too often. That's the Nevada fight song. The That's Nevada a great fight song. That is a great fight song. The head coach of the Wolfpack, Steve Alford, joins us on game day, too. Uh, thanks, Steve. And, and uh, Dane, Dane said he had to strong arm you to get you on here today for a few minutes, so we appreciate that. <laughs> coach, you owed, you owed me one as the former, as your as your host when, when you came and visited us at Michigan State, right? That's the way I felt. Yeah, you, you took care of me. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, St- Coach Alford came to visit us he was just kind of watching to see it learn some things uh i don't know what was that five six years ago and we're getting ready to play michigan for the big 10 championship and he's dug right in there with us and Izzo's asking him all kinds of what would you do on this what would you do on this and i'm standing over here it wasn't my scalp i'm like hey 
Hello, hello, hey, I'm over here. Come on now. <laughs> he was Izzo was probably making the right choice. I'm guessing. He was. Though, Coach. He did. And, and you know what? We won the game. Yeah. We won the game, and we had a recruit on his visit. He committed. Coach Alford got it done for us. No, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do with it. They, no, you did you not. Know, <laughs> you know how much respect I have for uh, Coach Izzo, and um, he reaches out to me a couple times a year, and I greatly appreciate it. And um, he just got an amazing, as you know, an amazing culture up there. That um, you know, I think anybody that's had an opportunity to be at one place that long and do yeah. what he's done has been pretty impressive. Yeah, that's right. What you're doing there is pretty impressive, too. You guys are playing some good ball. Uh, you won three in a row coming off that big win against uh, New Mexico. Um, One-pointer. Man, you've had a couple of tough ones with them. What, double overtime the first time around and then got them by one uh, the other night? Yeah, this is just a – it's a really good basketball league. I, yeah. I've been very fortunate. I was at New Mexico first and then had my stint at UCLA and now back in the league again, and this is my 10th year, and – it's just a really good – it doesn't maybe get the attention. I think we're starting to gain some attention. But, you know, we got five teams right now currently in the top 38 of net. And right. we're the only league in the country that's got five teams that have won 19 games. I mean, it's just a, it's a really competitive league with great environments, great gymnasiums. Uh, it's a lot of fun to coach in. And our guys are having no seniors and losing two key players – in October, November, our guys have done just a, a, a great job, and we got a big one tonight against Fresno. Talking with Steve Alford, uh, the head coach in Nevada, uh, and you mentioned the number of teams in the league that have won 19. You guys have won 19, 19 and six, nine and three in the Mountain West. Second place, a game behind San Diego State. Play Fresno State tonight, and is there a big difference between college basketball and different regions of the country? I mean, you mentioned UCLA, so you've been out west. You, you've obviously your experience around the country. You grew up in Indiana and now in Nevada. What's the big difference between regions of the country and the way they accept, receive, view, uh, criticize, coach uh, basketball from the sidelines, maybe? Yeah, I think uh... – uh, well, if you're talking social media and the criticisms, those 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 go across the globe. So you, you can't. I, I think that's probably the same everywhere. But um, I, I think the biggest difference that I've seen, because I've coached and played in the Big Ten, I uh, grew up uh, my entire life in the Midwest. I, there's nothing like Big Ten atmospheres and game to game. Now there are a few. Uh, I won't probably go into it, but I'm old school. The old Big Ten was the Big Ten, uh, mm-hmm. to me, yeah. as far as environments and those type of things, I think a little bit has, um, just through the expansion, maybe changed that a little bit. But the Big Ten's always going to be a league that um, is going to, and I think the Big 12 right now is mirroring that as far as environments and level teams. And when you get out west, I, I think, one, you've got a vastness of land, and so travel's a little bit greater. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not doing a lot of bus trips like you can in the Big Ten um, to this day, and there's more to do. You're, you got coastlines, you got mountains, and so getting fans to the stands is a little bit, I think, different than what it is uh, in Big Ten environments from that standpoint. And, and coach, down Dane here. Down, I know you don't recognize. You know, I, Vince's voice is just so soothing, and now you've got me <laughs> and to throw you throw you a muck, but. Um, so we're getting into the nitty-gritty down the stretch, and I, you mentioned your league, just how 
how good it is. It, it's really impressive. You go down the list of, of in the standings, and you got Colorado State kind of near the bottom, but it just they're a, they're a good program. Nico's done a great job. It speaks to just how good the league is. Um, but as you get down the stretch, um, can you kind of cover the things that you and your staff talk about besides the the while well, we take it game by game? Because at some point you have to start eyeing that are you know you're good enough for the NCAA tournament. You're good enough whether it's an at large bid or you win and win the conference outright or you win the your uh, your league tournament. When you look ahead, you know what what are some things that you and your staff uh, talk about in terms of preparing for the future? Um, you know, as you start eyeing the conference tournament and then the NCAA tournament. Yeah, as you know, I, I think you you've got to win the day. You, you yeah. got to pay attention to the day, and you're right. Um, you know, we're competitors, so you look ahead and you try to you know you try to figure this one out. But I think when you do that. Um, you know, and I played for coach and I thought he was the best at, I mean, I can remember him. <laughs> I remember having good games and coming the next day thinking, Hey, he's going to be really happy. And <laughs> no, he, uh, he gets me right back to the day yeah. at hand. And I yeah. think that's why um, I appreciate him so much. Cause I thought he made me better that way. He didn't yeah. allow me to get comfortable. And so players see that it's different today, as you know, with social media, there's so much out there. There's so much information, good, yeah. bad, and ugly. And I think as coaches today, it's even harder and more important that you just try to get your guys yeah. to concentrate on the game at hand. I had my radio yeah. show last night, and it was brought up. Hey, you got six games left. If you do this, this, and this, yeah. you're fine. You don't yeah. know that. Nobody knows yeah. that. <laughs> so I just hope our league gets the respect yeah. that some of these other leagues get. They, yeah. Everybody in the last three weeks, there's going to be games where you're beating up on one another. Yeah, and somebody has to lose in our top five. But you know, I don't think our nets are going to move that much. And if you got nets inside the top forty, from a national tournament standpoint, you know, to me that's really good, especially in leagues like our own. So I hope our guys can just focus on the the day at hand, win the day. If you can win the day, it kind of takes care of the week, the month, the year, and uh, if you start skipping past the day, then you end up, I think, hurting yourself down the road. So you can can you see it to where the the Mountain West gets five teams in? I certainly can. I mean, I don't yeah. know the the history of the Mountain West and the NCAA tournament, how many teams they get in, how many don't. But can you see it? I mean, is it is it possible? Yeah, when we were at New Mexico, uh, we got five in one year when okay. we were at New Mexico, and it was uh, a really good league, but it was top-heavy. Yeah. And this year, you've already mentioned Colorado State. Well, you got the kid Stevens. He's a first-team all-leaguer. Hmm. Uh, you got Wyoming, who was picked second. They're last in our league right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got some really good teams uh, at, that's supposedly the bottom of our league right now. And, you know, Fresno's in, I think, seventh place. They're really good basketball. Very dangerous, yeah. Yeah, so it's it, it, the difference in when we took five the last time out of Mountain West is I think top to bottom the league's better this year. So mm-hmm. if you finish in those top five and win the games that you're you're winning, um, I think there's a high probability we can get five in. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, Coach. We appreciate you taking the time on uh, game day and um means a lot that uh, you shared a few minutes with us and always good to touch base with you. Wish you the best tonight. Go get them tonight, number 12. Oh, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Okay, that's Steve Alford.
You know, always good to hear. You know, you talk Number about the 12, voices. Man. His voice, you, oh. he's, his voice is one of those voices that whenever you hear it, you know who you're listening to. Soothing. Is that right? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, that's the way I feel. And maybe it's just because I've been around sports yeah. for a long time. But some people's voice, you hear it and you know exactly who they are. Yeah, but that's number 12. That's yeah. Stevie. A, a guy just, he's he's iconic. Touch the socks and sink the free throw. Great socks. Great yeah. socks. Great shoes. <laughs> great, hey. great, um, great form. But go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of great, a uh, great win last night for the IU women, ranked number Killing two it. in the country. And Killing we're going to talk with their head coach, Terry Morin, when we come back on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Over 13,000 on hand at Assembly Hall last night to watch second-ranked Indiana beat number five, Iowa, 87-78. Fourth win for Indiana against top 10 teams. The Hoosiers now 23-1, and 13-1 and overall. And Terry Morin, the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers, joins us now. Congratulations, Coach. Man, what a great great game last night. And the atmosphere, it, mm. was, uh, it was phenomenal. Could you have ever imagined playing in front of that or coaching a game in front of that kind of atmosphere? Well, thank you guys for having me. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been my first. You know, we uh, in 2018 set a attendance record when we uh, won the WNIT championship here um, and we had a little over 13,000 but um, you know I, I think this year is a little bit different because we've we've been able to um, you know yet last night wasn't just the first you know of course it was a new record but um, you know I think back to the North Carolina game and mm. uh, the Maryland game and you know some of the other Ohio State game uh, you know that we've had here in the hall and uh, there's been a, a lot of fans uh, that's turned out to watch this uh, this team play. So uh, it's it gives us great energy. You know, our kids obviously love uh, you know playing in the hall with our our crowd behind us. Um, you know, it's they as our kids always say, it's like having another uh, you know teammate out there um, because just of the energy level. So um, it was great. It was a great game. It was great for women's basketball. It's certainly great for the Big Ten, and uh, most importantly, it was great for our program. Coach, your old neighbor here, Dane Fife. Hi, Dane. First of all, thank you for coming on. Uh, hey, so I watched the game start to finish last night, and um, we can do the coach speak and the X's and O's, but I I text your assistants this morning. I, I really am just so impressed with how hard your players play. And the question is, is – we there's a there's a big uh you talk about purdue and coach painter and he gets purdue kind of kids and i'm sure i'm certain you get iu kind of kids but how do you how do you get your kids to play so dang hard and and a lot of coaches would even ask you that would would love to hear your answer besides this former (laughs) coach well i i appreciate that um and I know our kids um, in, would enjoy hearing that as well because I do think it's in the recruiting. Um, you know, Dane, when we started here nine years ago and, and there was really no, you know, this program was not, not very relevant. was in the tank. Did. Yeah. Correct. Um, you know, I, I think we've always – and maybe it's me and my blue collar, you know, uh, upbringing and, you know, just work was – what are my parents, you know, talk to my sister and my brother and I about all the time. And it's, it's really easy. I mean, it's, you know, there's no secret sauce or magic pill, you know, to success. It's, it's all in the work. And, um, 
you know, and so, I, you know, I tried to build that into our mentality as we yeah. were building our program. Like, you know, we are the underdog. We got to play with our chip. Nobody yeah. respects us. Um, and we're going to have to do things that won't show up in a stat sheet. Um, you know, we're going to have to be the team that's willing to, to uh, be aggressive and make the hustle plays and make and, and focus and, you know, just be tougher than, than the opponent, uh, get to the 50-50 balls, rotate to get a charge, mm-hmm. uh, you know, make all the winning plays, the things that um, don't show up in that stat sheet. And, um, and then, you know, I have a great staff that uh, we are – we speak the same language, and, and, and Kevin, my strength coach, speaks the same language. We deliver the same message to our kids day in and day out. Uh, they understand in order to thrive here, uh, you have to love the work, and you have to to be willing to do uh, more than, than, than required. And, um, and we've managed to find those kind of kids, but it takes – you know, kids, the buy-in first, and you have to have great leadership. And we've had some some really, you know, good leaders, uh, you know, Tyra Buss and Amanda Cahill when they were here, and then Allie Patberg and Brenna Wise. You're not going to find two tougher kids than Allie and Brenna. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, you know, that just uh, – it resonates in your locker room. Then to the kids like the Grace Burgers and the McKenzie Holmes, um, you know, and in, in, in doing the work is is become a lifestyle around here. It's it's not a, uh, you know, a sign on the wall. It, right. It's what we do. And um, and I love that. And, and you yeah. know, the other thing, too, is if you're going to hang your hat on the defensive side of the ball, you have to have some toughness some mm-hmm. moxie, some grittiness to you, um, you know, and um Sure enough, you know, we've been able to establish ourselves as, you know, one of the, the better, uh, you know, defensive teams in the big uh, consistently. And, um, yeah, that can come in your schemes, but it really comes in your heart and your hustle and your determination and, you know, that toughness piece that, yep. uh, you know, we've always managed to play with. And, yep. um, you know, I think that's that's where it comes yep. from. And we, we do. We challenge them every day and we, we hold their feet to the fire and, um, that's the only way that, um, like I said, you, you can thrive here because, um, you know, we, uh, we, we, the standards are what they are here and uh, we don't compromise and we don't lessen the standards for, from our, from our stars to, you know, the, the 13th, 14th player on the bench. There's yeah. expectations than the same for all of them. You know, it's funny cause we just had Steve Alford on and he was talking about how coach Knight after what Steve would deem, I, I thought I played well, and then I'd come in, and, and Coach Knight would light me up, and I can maybe, uh, you know, I, I can foresee maybe after beating the number two team, um, you, you might have those same thoughts of, okay, how are we gonna, how are we gonna be in this next practice, and am I gonna have to address some things? Am I have to gonna have to climb into them a little bit? You know, there's the things that go through a coach's head, but I, I wanted to shift gears a little bit, Coach. Uh, my 13-year-old's favorite player is Mackenzie Holmes, and my 9-year-old's favorite player is Grace Berger. And the one – I love Mackenzie Holmes. I think – I don't know this, but it looks like your team has really taken on what I would say is her personality, um, her fight, her grit. Maybe it was Pat Berg the year before. I don't know. But I want to talk about Grace Berger because – I see your team. I've watched your team with her, and then when she got hurt, without her, and now with her again. And I see your team just—I see your team still having a, the ability to grow leaps and bounds because 
I can't. I, f- I forget how many games that Grace Berger was out, but I still see your team able to continue to grow together and grow mm-hmm. upward. Do you feel that sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, every coach wants to know they got a high ceiling, but do you feel right. the sense that you guys have still have a lot of room to grow and in a good oh. way? Yeah, I mean, there's no question. You know, um, when you were talking about Steve and Coach Knight, I mean, I just got done watching our game from last night, and mm-hmm. I'm I got a about six or seven, you know, uh, pages of notes, right, that I can't wait to get back and film and film all the the things that we have to clean up and be better at. And and so, you know, that's that's where the proof is. You know, the evidence is you show up the next day and you have to go into film and you got to see all those shortcomings, you know, that we had. And and then you keep – you continue to challenge them, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much room – uh, for us to improve, uh, so much room for us to be better. Wow. Uh, and when we can figure some of these things out, you know, just think of, you know, again, you know, always trying to, you know, the, the ceiling is high for this group. But, um, you know, we have a daunting task ahead of us. Our schedule is not nice to us, no, you know, down the stretch here. Um, and, um, you know, this is a group that's been really great at um, really just uh, sort of having the blinders on. I mean, we we enjoyed last night, and then, you know, t- today's a day off, and then come tomorrow uh, we'll watch film. We'll show them the good, the bad, the ugly, and then we got to move on to a really, really good Ohio State team. But, um, you know, I will say this, Dane. Grace is, has been our leader. Uh, we, we hopefully, you know, and Mac is, Mac is a different type of leader. I mean, her yeah. personality is a little bit right. different competitive yes but uh, grace Berger is probably the uh most inc- competitive uh stubborn headed player i've ever coached mm-hmm. um in the sense that uh she just um you know uh loves to loves to compete loves to win uh she's she's really hard on herself uh her expectations are high for herself and her teammates um she's been a you know even when she was out you know terrific leader i think for yeah. some of those other guys uh that had to step out uh up in a big way but you know one of the things we've been blessed with is you know we're we're a pretty mature team we're a veteran team right. even the new the new guys right so, there's oh yeah. there were seven yeah. holdovers there were seven new guys uh sydney parish and sarah scalia they yeah. played a lot of college minutes you know at on the big time stage sure did. Um, and so adding them to the mix has, has been great. And then Yarden Garzon, who's a freshman, but good, good Lord, she's pot, probably has the most wisdom of all of us. You know, um, mm-hmm. she just plays within herself, um, makes big shots. She's not afraid of big moments. Wow. Um, and, um, and so we have, you know, a really – uh, you know, just a combination of not, you know, obviously different personalities, different competitive natures, but uh, at the end of the day, they are unselfish. They want to play pretty basketball. They want to guard hard. Um, they enjoy, I think, playing with each other. They trust each other. They realize that, hey, if it's not Max night, maybe it's Grace's night. If it's not Grace's night, maybe it's Sydney's night mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. And so, um you know they've they've been enjoyable to coach, but to say that um, I don't know that any coach is going to get on your show and say, yeah, we're we're we've arrived, we figured right. it all out. We're far <laughs> from that. Yeah. Uh, and trust me, I remind them of that every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, we still we still have a lot of room to improve. Yeah. IU basketball coach Terry Morin, the number two ranked Hoosiers, beat fifth ranked Iowa, eighty seven seventy eight. Another big win I thought you had last night was when I saw Lynn Dunn, who's as Purdue tried and true as they come, wearing an Indiana sweatshirt. 
yeah, after the game. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, she's, <laughs> she's been, uh, yeah, she's been dangling that out. You know, like she told me the last time. So she came on uh, to see us play against Maryland. Uh, and she and I text back and forth a lot, but at the Maryland game, she had said, you know what? I, I bought an Indiana shirt or a sweatshirt. <laughs> and I, I, I said, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And, uh, <laughs> so she ended up coming to the Purdue game. She and Christy, I think. And I said, you're going to wear your Indiana shirt. And she said, I'll get ran out of town if I do that. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, hopefully maybe the next time I get to see you, you'll have, you'll, you'll show up and I'll be darned if she didn't last night. So, um, you know, really, really great to see coach, uh, there. And she's been so supportive of, you know, what I've, what we're doing here at Indiana. And I'm glad that she's back part of that franchise. I think that, uh, you know, now that she's uh, sort of going to help with the leadership over there, I think they'll get that thing back on track really Mm -hmm. fast. Well, you've done a great job. I've got a daughter that's uh, in full transparency. I've got a daughter to junior at Indiana. She enjoys going to the women's games as much as she enjoys going to the men's games. And I think we've seen that from the support that you guys have received and, and to watch it on television last night, it it came across, uh, you could really see, uh, the and feel the emotion and the intensity of the game and and it's because of the way your team plays. It's Indiana basketball. Yeah, you you've earned it and um, just uh, couldn't is. be happier for you. And I, I tell you what, I might put this one up on the wall. Doing the work has become a lifestyle. I love that, Coach. Uh, very well said. Congratulations thank on the big win last night. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you, Coach. All right. uh, the uh, the Hoosiers play at Ohio State on Monday and then home against Michigan and Purdue and then finish up at Iowa before the Big Ten tournament. That's Terry Moore and the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers, number two in the country. Jimmy says break. Yeah, good first hour here and uh, more to come on 93.5107.5 The Fan. It's been a big first hour. Hope you enjoyed that with Dane Fife. I'm Vince Welch. Producer Jimmy Cook had Bo Broski, NCAA official on uh, to start the show. Steve Alford in the uh, noon hour as well along with IU coach Terry Morin. That was intense. Yeah, the IU ladies uh, beat number five Iowa last night, 87-78. Mackenzie Holmes had 24-6. and six, And uh, Grace Berger, 26 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Iowa's Caitlin Clark had 35. I mean, she's a baller. But really uh, let me just say this. I thought IU, despite the fact she had 35, IU defensively really did a night. I mean, she was 10 of 28 and 3 of 11 from three-point range. So, despite the fact Caitlin Clark scored 35, I thought that uh, Indiana defensively really did a nice job on her down the stretch, especially. Yeah, they did a really good job. And a little, uh, you're a, you're a big, uh, what do you call those things? Minutia. Yeah. A big fan of minutia, as you so clearly like stated dig, yesterday. Dig deep. Big part of it is they kept they kept her feet moving. They kept Caitlin Clark's feet moving. They never allowed her feet to get comfortable, which is an important ingredient to having a good jumper. Uh, Terry Morin talked about the team's defense, which sometimes I think gets overlooked in, in that situation that you just talked about there, keeping Caitlin Clark's feet moving. IU forced 18 turnovers last night and then scored 14 points off those turnovers, and that was key for Indiana. Uh, the Purdue Watermakers, ranked number one in the country, uh, kept that mark intact last night at Mackey Arena, beating Iowa 87-73. The Boilermakers now 23-2 and overall, 12-2 and 
in the Big Ten and uh, five and double figures for Purdue. Braden Smith, who struggled at Indiana, scored just four points, one of eight from the field, came back in a big way last night, career-high 24 with five assists, eight of ten from the field, and four of five from three-point range. Kevin Bowen from the morning show with uh, Kevin and Jake Query was uh, at the game last night. We bring him in. Kevin, uh, I thought a despite the 17 turnovers from Purdue, which I know uh, Matt Painter couldn't and shouldn't be happy about, I thought despite that, uh, Purdue played a pretty solid game last night. What was your impression of the way the Boilermakers bounced back from that loss at Indiana? Yeah, good afternoon, guys. I would say bounce back, certainly the freshman, right out of the gate. I think Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer had their first 10, and that just set the tone. You know, I, I remember looking up at the scoreboard at one point, probably eight minutes ago in the game, and Purdue's up 12, and they were really up double figures throughout. And Zach Eady had four points. Mm. Uh, so I think that's a great sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly late, you know, I think some of those turnovers came from the old press issues that yeah, yeah. we saw last year. And it's just, gosh, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, these are way too smart of basketball yeah. players to be this poor against the press. So certainly some coaching points there, but again, Braden Smith, outstanding. I, I always enjoy, like, that was my first game at, at Mackey this season. So obviously the Purdue fans have watched Purdue play for, you know, whatever, 15, 20 home games this year. And the urge when Braden Smith gets ready to shoot it, like, they all want him to shoot it. You, yeah. you, you can tell the fan base, like, believes in him. Matt Painter was pretty adamant about it afterwards. And uh, Braden listened and uh, had a career night. But KB, it's kind of like the way if you sat in here, the way Vince is encouraging me to speak and ask questions. He really wants to be the guy that gets me to break out and really be part of my. I'm trying to get you to be better, you know. I mean, you know, dig deep. Vince encourages me to ask questions. (laughs) I I choked. I just told him, and I sent Steve Alford a text. I choked. I choked. I got nervous. It was number (laughs) twelve. I'm not as nervous with you. And granted, I've talked to you before on air. And uh, let me ask you this: to be fair. I don't have the same resume. And if I could point out, Dane, um, I did notice, you know, you, you sent out a pre-show tweet today. Did which, I get, did you know, I, I do it? Was, did I do any good or did I hurt the show? I mean, how was it? I, I thought it was very informative. I did notice, you know, several great guests, as you pointed yeah. out. I think yeah. you mentioned Steve Alford in the yeah. tweet. I think you mentioned the number two ranked uh, Indiana Hoosiers Terry, and Terry yeah. Morin on the show, Bo Borowski, who yeah. was a great individual. Yeah. Um, have certainly enjoyed some, some days and nights with, yeah. with Bo. Um, I, I didn't see any mention of myself, so I, I know I'm sounding yeah. a little bit like Jeez. my co-host here. I choked. the ego check, but, you know, well, I just, maybe that's an area where we could, we well, could improve. He got the big mention on the uh, telecast of the Purdue-Iowa game last night, so he's feeling pretty good I, about I himself. I am feeling you know, good Reece, about myself. Reese Davis you know, mentioned the Dane Fife yeah. show. I you felt, know, yeah. on, uh, yeah. Showed on up a little yeah. late. They're supposed to be yeah. here at 1140. Showed up 1145. Yeah. Asked yeah. where my parking pass was. I'll tell you this. Um, <laughs> the Dane Fife show. i got to go back and watch the game now to yeah. hear that. And the reason why I didn't pub you up is because you weren't my invite. Now I, I'm honored to have you on, and I I would have thought of you if, if Jimmy or Vince hadn't. But um, you weren't you weren't technically my invite, so I figured sure. Jimmy would be pubbing you up. Well, hey, Jimmy and I have a great a great relationship. I uh, I forgot to say to Jimmy, good luck to his Chiefs. Although I'm not picking the Chiefs, Jimmy's, but I guess publicly I will say good luck to his Chiefs. Jimmy's Chiefs are getting their butts kicked. Jimmy's got his Mahomes jersey with the dorky Super Bowl. What what Super Bowl is it? 
57. 57. Is that the current one or the previous one? Oh, no, the, one? The, this, is, this is the one they won, but 57 is this weekend. The, I mean, Jimmy has been arrogant for the last two days, just walking around. Spoken like a true Lions fan, dorky Super Bowl logo. <laughs> 1959, day, pal. Hey, um, <laughs> I love hearing people's impressions of, of, of the arenas, the, the places. You were at Mackey last night. Um, you're a big Notre Dame guy. You know, I, the Joyce Center is kind of similar to Mackey, don't you think? Is it still the Joyce Center? Uh, uh, it is Purcell Pavilion. I, there you, you go. certainly are doing a nice job if you're trying to butter up to Jack Swarbrick there and say it's similar to Mackey. <laughs> from, a, from an atmosphere standpoint, I can't think of two drastically different environments. Uh, but I, similar I in shape. Sure. Okay. Yeah. A, a bowl-like shape. <laughs> Round. If you will. Um, yeah. Your architectural. There. Uh... The court is rectangular <laughs> at both places. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Gene Hackman, for that. You're uh, welcome. That, that, Norman that's Dale, where pal. We stop. I mean, I, in being inside of Mackey last night, there's a bit of like of a Lambo feel to it for me. Like, if anybody's been to Lambo, there's not a lot of corporate nature. Yep. Lambo at all, and I get that way. And certainly, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like every time you make a Purdue comment or an IU comment, you have to vice versa with the other building. Yeah. I get a similar feel when I'm in Assembly Hall. Obviously, uh-huh. the structure is much, much different. I was fortunate right. to be at the game on Saturday and totally different. Uh, but boy, Mackey is just not a bad seat whatsoever. Right. And that crowd, you know, locked in, ready to go. Nobody's showing up late to that seven o'clock tip. And Again, when the freshmen start like they do and Purdue gets on the floor like they did, it's going to be one of the best environments in college basketball. You know, you can kind of you kind of tell if you're you've been paying any attention um, that that it looks like Matt Painter kind of said, "Hey, Braden, let's go. Time to turn it on." Kind of like you know, Rocky Four, the the Russians uh, trainer would say, "Okay, time to time to mangle this guy." You know, and he'd drop his arm like he's for all you race fans out here, Vince, like he's dropping the hammer. But he, he essentially what it looked like last night is Matt Painter probably had a little bit of a talk with Braden Smith and said, hey, I believe in you. I got faith in you. You go out and, and quit worrying about um, necessarily involving the rest of your teammates. You know, when you see an open opportunity, attack, because you're as good of a scorer as, as many people on the floor. Last night, I think we saw Braden, a, a new Braden Smith, and the scoring Braden Smith, along with the guy that that you know controls the game with his ability to handle the basketball. Yeah, I thought you saw a little sectional eight Braden Smith last Ooh, night. Okay, a, okay. Uh, you know, I know I'm not coming out of the game, and it's, I don't yep. think he took like you know ill advice. No, he didn't. He didn't. But he just he took the looks that I was going to go under a few screens, and I'm going to make you pay and. You think about the shots he got on Saturday in Bloomington. I felt like – I forget what he was, one of seven, one of eight, something like that. I felt like a lot of that was really floaters or shots at the rim. I mean, he was – he does such a great job of, yeah. you know, getting to the basket, whereas last night I thought – I mean, he certainly made some plays around the hoop, but I thought more yeah. of it was perimeter-oriented. And and now is that just another threat on the scouting report? I think we all knew he could – do that no question but, you know showing that does that make teams pause a little bit and you know again you've brought up the the Notre Dame thing Mike Bray and defense tends to be a bit of an optional thing for him <laughs> he has always been a huge proponent of 
when we play a legit big, we're not doubling that big because I can live with twos. I can't live right. with giving up threes. Yep. I like that. And I so like I think that. that will be something that, you know, if Lawyer and Braden Smith continue to do that and, you know, some of those others knock down open shots, it'll be a huge, huge dilemma for the Purdue opponent night in, night out. The one thing that I got to believe that uh, Painter was not pleased with was the way uh, Purdue handled the ball at times against the press of Iowa. Purdue turned it over 17 times last night. And, and Dane, you were talking a little bit about uh, with uh, Coach Morin uh, about, uh, you know, coaches always find things, even on an impressive win, coaches always find things that uh, they want to address with the team. Terry Morin said she had six pages of notes from uh, the game that she seven, wants to seven, yeah, seven pages, pages of notes that she's got uh, to go over after a, a nice win over Iowa. So I'm guessing that that's going to be a point of emphasis yeah. for Purdue. But what do you see as the issue with Purdue against the press? Not all the time, but uh, at times, and of course, uh, at times last night. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, again, I, I haven't noticed the press too much uh, outside of last year uh, yeah. until last night. It just seemed like there are moments where everyone wanted to get it to Braden. And it's like, hey, others can dribble. Others can make a pass and a look ahead. And, I mean, Ethan Morton and Fletcher Lawyer are really intelligent. And it was almost like, you know, we were all back in third grade. And it was like, get the ball to the point guard every single time to bring the ball up. And it was like, you know, you can go ahead and attack the press and maybe try and get some numbers the other way. I did think, I, I don't know how much of it was personnel-based, but, you know, maybe there was a point where, Instead of having a first out there, like Caleb first, maybe you put like David Jenkins in the game or just throw another ball handler in there, that guy a little bit more comfortable bringing it up. Right. Uh, but still, like I said earlier, I just that, that, that team is way too smart to have yeah. had the issues. And I don't think we look at Iowa and we think it's, you know, Shaka Smart and that press. Well, and that's you know, a, it's a lot like of that, that, and I don't want to interrupt you, but I just did. I think a lot of that, KB, is the fact that there's Big Ten doesn't press, you know. Other than mm-hmm. you might see a little Maryland man-to-man, but the Big Ten doesn't press, and what that means is you really don't have a chance to see a press. For, you don't have a chance to work on it. You don't work on it in practice because you never see it in the league, with exception to Iowa. And then even Iowa, once you break that press a couple times, they lay off. And it just so happened, you know, unless they're trying to get back in the game, uh, which happened you know, last night. But um, I think it's it's a valid point. And, and it led to a couple ill-advised, more than a couple ill-advised turnovers. But well, and you know, as a as a coach, other coaches are watching yeah. those games yeah. too, and they yeah. say, "Oh, maybe if there's one area that Purdue yeah. struggles with a little right. bit, it's if we press them." Um, you know, Iowa scored 14 points off those 17 turnovers, and that you know, in a, in a sense, that's getting a little bit nitpicky because Purdue, uh, it was a you know, a very good win. I was, and you got to give a lot of that credit to Iowa, but at the same time, Purdue had 17 turnovers. Iowa had eight. And I know from a coach's standpoint, that's going to be, you know, that's in his crawl this morning. The other other issue is when you're down 20, 25 or whatever, I was down. It's a lot easier to take risks. They were down 21 at one point. And it's a lot easier to take risks. And then the letdown with young players, there's, there's usually letdown when, you know, it's hard to step on somebody's neck. You know, when you when you've got young players or when you have those big leads, especially with young teams. And that's something another good growing pain that Purdue needs to overcome with uh, Braden Smith, 24 points and five assists. Uh, the 17 from Fletcher Lawyer, Zach Eady, the double double, 14 points, 14 boards. Uh, maybe one of the things that uh, some will overlook was the play of Caleb first last night. And I think he 
just gave uh, uh, terrific minutes, didn't miss a shot, five of five from the floor in, in about, uh, I don't know, 23 or 24 minutes, uh, 11 points and 10 rebounds. And when a guy that, you know, may not get the ink, and then when you look at it and he had a double-double and didn't yeah. miss a shot, uh, pretty impressive from uh, what Purdue offered up last second night. Second rounder. That's why all the second round, that's why you see in all these second round picks, KB. Uh, those, the second rounders are the glue and guts guys. KB, what do you think about the Pacers, man? What do you think about this? Uh, what do you think about the, the, the trades and the, the defections and the collections? What do you think? Yeah, I was I, I was good with it. I think perimeter defense is still a huge worry of mine, huge. But um, you know, when you look at the second unit, I think something that is missing is just a little bit more shooting. You know, T.J. McConnell is not one that's going to be high on the scouting report from a shooter standpoint, and Benedict Matherin is certainly more of a driver than he is a perimeter shooter at this point in his NBA career. So I think if he can kind of open up some of that, and Jordan Wara is, is known as that. Again, I mean, I've seen him light up. Notre Dame way too many times and I mean I remember a game earlier this year uh Bucks Pacers where he was certainly in double figures off the bench uh so I, I get that move I think it's you know it's a reminder of Kevin Pritchard's done a really nice job of putting the Pacers in a position to where they can do something like they did yesterday where on paper everyone's like wait what did they give up you know <laughs> all they did was kind of wave some guys that didn't play and that's again when you have some cap space you're able to do that um, I I like George Hill. I've always loved George Hill. I'll never forget going to his sectional win over Carmel at Carmel and going to his senior night at IUPUI back in the day, a big win over Oral Roberts. Did you ever uh, go to I, one of his games against the IPFW Mastodons? Oh, boy. That, no, I don't know if I did. Did you guys go boxing one on him? No, we, we had him beat a few times, and then he scored his 38th and 39th and 40th <laughs> point. Uh, one and nine, I am against Ron Hunter. Ron Hunter owns me. Wow. He changed my last name to Hunter. Mm. Well, uh, don't look now, but Tulane's knocking on the NCAA tournament. They sure are. This year. Good win against with, Cincy. Uh, uh, over Ron under, uh, hey Kevin, over under on uh, Matherin's minutes tonight. Twenty uh, three, more or less, after getting thirteen. Yeah. After getting what twelve or thirteen on on Wednesday. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I hope it's over, Vince, but I don't know. I'll kind of hold my breath and believe it when I see it. Because is, is something know, going as, on? Is something going on there? You know, it, it's interesting. I could see Rick Carlisle, you know, doing some things differently and trying to motivate Matherin. I mean, mm. Matherin seems to be very coachable. He seems to kind of embrace that. I mean, the guys have talked about. I think Halliburton even mentioned like Matherin literally every plane ride is in the back of the plane with the coaches watching mm. and Halliburton's not used to seeing that, especially from a rookie like that. So it may, I mean, there were moments certainly the other night in Miami where, you know, he's losing, you know, a guy on help side and, 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 you know, he does, he certainly takes a questionable shot or two, but he also is very important to get you out of ruts. And I think something Matherin has shown here, this season is one bad quarter does not turn into two and one bad half does not turn into two. And that's, that's a pretty rare attribute, especially for a young guy. So I think you let him play through that. Um, I, I did want to mention, again, on, on the George Hill front, as much as I've loved Hill, I, I don't need to see Hill play one minute for the Pacers. Yeah, Like, you know, he, the guy turns 37 later this year. I don't Watch need to buddy. see – I, I just – I don't need to see lineups of George Hill, T.J. McConnell, and Daniel Tice mm -hmm. here yeah. down the stretch. I, I don't think you need – you can't lose sight – 
of what the original goal was. And as great as this season has been in many areas, the reality, if you do want to play veterans and try and whatever, make a run of the playoffs, right now you're 12th in the East. You've lost 13 to 15. You haven't won a road game since before Santa went in the air, Christmas time. <laughs> I mean, this is a struggling basketball team. And in the standings right now, you got a long way to go if you're going to get into the you know, top six, get out of the play-in. So I still think one major piece is needed. It's got to come through the lottery next year. And um, I, I will go to answer your question because I've gone very roundabout. I, I, I hope over, but I, I'll go slightly under. I'll say 21 minutes. Yeah, and and one game, you know, they play so many. In one game, I, I don't make a big deal out of a guy having an off night. I mean, Halliburton had an off night at Miami. I don't expect him to have an off night tonight. I mean, I you know those they, those happen. I mean, everybody's human. But three of the last four in single digits, so unusual compared to what we've seen from him. And just you know, if maybe he was a little fatigued, I couldn't believe he. You know, I, I just I was confused. And uh, Rick didn't really address it, at least that I heard uh, after the game in Miami about why he didn't go to Mather. I think he just he referred to it as a coach's decision. Uh, would have liked to have had a little more insight into why. Um, but uh, I, yeah, just uh, it's confusing. I, I think that he's obviously one of the best players on the team, right? I mean, yeah. And it, yeah. why do you keep one of the best players on the team? on the bench unless there's an issue thing it's to your point vince it's not it's not just long term it's also in the short term i mean right here right now he's one of your best players and i actually think if there is and i've heard this before if there is kind of an nba comp to him and i know it's not apples to apples but some people have mentioned a, a jimmy butler style to his game well i think playing against butler who was doing some butler things i mean scoring but also antics go with that I think exposing Matherin to that on the floor is great because he gets a different side of a guy that clearly you know prides himself on what being a quote-unquote alpha out there and I think that would you know help growth development all of those things and while it is one game to this point you know 13 minutes I mean just last week against the Lakers I think he had played to that point I think he only played like 19 I want to say in that game and that was like the second lowest he had played all season. So since Halliburton has been back, the minutes are much less than they were when Halliburton was out there pre-injury. Yeah, and, and I don't really see why. Did, I don't I don't see yeah, why. It's not like they're playing the same position. No, and, and you know, if you look at what he did before Halliburton got back, he was carrying you. I mean, he had five straight off the bench of over 20. So a little confused on that. So, again, love George Hill. Uh, don't need to see George Hill, T.J. McConnell, Daniel Tice grinding out second unit possessions together. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the moves the Pacers made um, yesterday, unless Nuora ends up being a big surprise from what I would anticipate, uh, it's almost a a wash. But uh, can't, can't can't you see Jordan George Hill being just a veteran leader? Who who's the big hoss at Miami that they've kept? That's Udonis Haslam. Haslam from a mentorship standpoint, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm seeing like yeah. a mentor, yeah. like a sure. You know, Vince but, and I, Vince is kind of our you Jake, mentor me. Jake Taylor, um, major league, <laughs> the old gritty catcher that played in the, yeah. the Mexican league a I year was a ago, too. and um, yeah, I really see it as that that can come in and that can just 
slow your team down, regroup. Okay, here's what we got to do. We got to get Miles the ball. We got to get Benedict the Isn't ball. Isn't get him in this position. Yeah, I, I think so. It's McConnell's role. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't I don't. Uh, but but I, I mean, it, I don't see Hill getting minutes over McConnell. Well, I think they're, yeah. they're different. Uh, oh yeah, different a little, but I yeah, I'm I'm with you, KB, on that. I I don't. Uh, I see um, George's impact coming off the court. And a mentor. Yeah. yeah mentor, uh, how about uh, talking about matchups, uh, Miles Turner and DeAndre Ayton tonight? I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, sign me up there. You know, we, we didn't see that a few weeks ago when these two teams met. You know, I'm curious to see exactly what Phoenix looks like tonight. I mean, they didn't get to downtown Indy until pretty late playing at Atlanta last night. Devin Booker was out due to illness. So, exactly what they – throw out there you know Kevin Durant's not going to play but yeah DeAndre Ayton Turner we've missed out on the Embiid Turner matchups this year so I would like to see that one uh, that well, especially because be they were talking about possibly being uh, traded for one another you know sure. the trades and in uh, those things aren't lost on players I mean they they Miles Turner knows who's coming to town tonight I assure you oh of course yeah I mean at the start of the year I mean, outside of Embiid, he probably circled this one in terms of the home games and, and matchups that you're going to see. I don't know, maybe Jokic as well. But, yeah, I mean, if there is a storyline tonight outside of, you know, to me it's not Devin Booker if he plays. It's not Chris Paul if he plays. It is definitely Aiden and Turner. Uh, Jalen Smith did not play against Miami illness. Would you expect him uh, back tonight and available? Yeah, that was odd. He, like, left, the, left her in the middle of the game and went to the locker room. So, I, I, don't, I haven't seen it. Anything official in the injury report? I don't know. Maybe we've all been there, kind of scrambling for the old bathroom at some point. But, yeah, a little flatulence, um, I, KB. What was the phrase you yeah. used? Oh, oh, never mind. Don't mention that. <laughs> phrase you used well, don't they call it the Miami flu? <laughs> the Miami yeah. flu. I like that. You know, Miami you, flu. You know, That's left over from the night there. before. Is that right? Is that how that works? <laughs> Jalen seems like a very nice, nice kid, by the way, although he was a bit demonstrative in Bloomington one time. But, uh, yeah, that, that really is the only – unless I'm missing – one, I feel like that's the only thing, injury report-wise, Indiana to keep an eye on uh, here leading into, uh, what, four to go till the All-Star break. Yeah, Pacers and Suns tonight. We're chatting with Kevin Bowen. And uh, before we let you go, a couple of uh, uh, coach coaching uh, items on the Colts side. Albert Breer uh, reporting today that the Colts have informed Brian Callahan, the Bengals' offensive coordinator, that he's no longer – uh, in the mix, and Mike Silver reporting the same about Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. Uh, either of those surprise you? Uh, maybe a little bit of Callahan. Um, you know, I, I, he was a guy that I liked. I, I really like the quarterback background um, that he has, and he really is the only, well, I guess him and Shane Steichen, I think, are the only two offensive coordinators that made it to the second interview round, or at least reportedly. So if you want that offensive head coach, which just look at the track record here recently in the NFL. Let's kind of speak for themselves. Uh, you would want one of those two. So, I mean, right now, I, I, you're going to you know, hand me a $10 chip and say, all right, place it on somebody. It would be Shane Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator. Uh, Raheem Morris would probably be the one that I'd think about next. Um, so, we're I, basically, I think what we're seeing is we're starting to get some finality to it. I, I still don't expect anything official, official till post Super Bowl. Um, but right now, if I had to 
guess that's where I would lay the ten dollar chip. Yeah, I would put uh, those would be my two favorites well, as first well. First of all, Steichen you would give them a ten dollar chip. You'd give them a uh, dollar chip. Yeah. Max. Oh, I'd put a hundred on that no one. No way. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't oh. give it up. You wouldn't give it out to. to I think KD. Steichen's the guy. I mean, I I, re- I I like what he brings to the table with the Colts. Um, I not like Jeff one, Saturday. Not letting uh, Gus Bradley uh, interview elsewhere. I think he's going to be the defensive coordinator, and I think they're going to want to bring an offensive guy in. And I think Steichen's that guy. I, mean, I think it Jeff just makes Saturday's too much sense. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not going away from him. I'm sticking Jimmy's yelling break. Yeah. So, KB, yeah, Jeff Saturday's the guy, pal. I, I know you've been all over Saturday. I know Jimmy. I can feel Jimmy's wrist in the air yelling break. Yeah. Uh, the, I'll, I'll note one thing on Steichen. The quarterback background, I think what you like with him, he's worked with Jalen Hurts, of course, Justin Herbert, and Phillip Rivers, position Jimmy coaches agrees. and coordinators. Those are three accomplished quarterbacks, but at the same time, very different styles. And I think that has to be attractive for a team that's got to make a quarterback draft uh, draft pick coming up here in April. Absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, Kevin Bowen, you hear him on the morning show with uh, Jake Query. Sorry about that, that uh, you got to spend your mornings that way. But Same you, here. You Feel carry, bad for you. You carry the load, KB. Yeah. Uh, well done. Yeah. yeah. You guys believe in prayer, add me to the prayer list. But it's been a, <laughs> been a fun listen, and uh, you guys have a great weekend. Yeah, Thanks, go buddy. Irish. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Big one tomorrow, Virginia Tech. See Good you. Play? 93.5107.5, The Fan. Hey, great to have you with us on this Friday, along with uh, Dane Fife. That's at Coach Dane Fife if you're trying to hunt him down Ooh, on Twitter. For all you social media yeah. experts. Yeah. I'm Vince Welch, the producer, Jimmy Cook. Man, what a show it's been. Uh, opened up with Bo Borowski, um, NCAA official. That was fun. Uh, his... You know, his last game was the same as uh, Mike Krzyzewski's last game. And, I, and I'm not sure, you know, you laughed at me when I asked if Krzyzewski knew it was Bo's last game. I think Bo laughed at you, too. <laughs> he did. But I bet you, Krzyzewski, because you coaches, you know the officials as well as you know the other players, don't you? I mean, you have a scouting report on the officials, do you or do you not? Uh, in, in our heads. But I, I'm not sure Bo knew that that was Bo's last game. Yeah, maybe not. Because you know he's still pretty young, he still may come back. That was that was uh, I enjoyed chatting with him. That was one of those that uh, you could sit around over a cold beverage and just have a long, long talk yeah. about the game. Long, Steve long Alford. Talk. Steve Alford. Uh, I choked. That's all I want to say. I choked. I yeah. got nervous. Maybe we can it. get him on another time, and yeah. you can try to redeem yourself. Because I mean, it was you were down one with no time on the clock, choked. and you had the one and one, and you bricked the first. I don't even one. think I hit the rim or yeah. air plank, ball straight air, but it was like three feet before the rim. But uh, that was. A big win though for you getting offered on on game day i mean yeah. they they play tonight i threatened them yeah well no blackmail was it was it that deep or was no it? no okay. no i just look i'm number 11 you're number 12 you've got a national championship i don't this is how it's going to go down iu coach terry morin on with us as well after uh, the big win for the indiana ladies last night over iowa and the pacers we talked to kevin bowen about the pacers and the suns tonight uh eddie white the host of the world's greatest eddie. postgame show hello eddie oh boy this is an honor uh first of all vince was a, was a great people we've ever had in our market uh just a veteran just a, a guy's guy a pro's pro and then you know what coach fight this is something i heard i watched now you game the other night and the knucklehead andy katz is gonna uh, interview coach woods at halftime and he, and he starts the interview with mike i gotta ask you he calls him mike now you can call him mike when you go in the locker room beforehand to schmooze get some pregame info your practice but when you're on air 
a coach is a coach forever. Even when yep. he's done coaching. When I see Coach Holtz, who I work for, Coach Shulu, RIP, but when I, when I saw him after he retired, a coach is a coach. You give him respect. It's a coach. Andy catches say, hey, Coach Woodson, bada bing, bada boom. Do you guys agree? I do agree 100%. I don't. Well, we, 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 I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm asking Vince because yep. he knows what he's talking about. You don't. At, well, I'm just saying from a broadcaster's perspective, I would always have referred to him as coach. I would open my question. If I was going to refer to him in some way, shape, or form to open the question, I would have definitely referred to him as coach. But as a coach, you may see that respect and and interaction differently do you is that why you say that's i'd not say necessary? i just i get tired of titles i get tired of uh you know the, all that that uh, but i'm not part of your business per se which i respect eddie you and you and vince and jimmy as well um but i just you know i i no, i'm not going to call you doctor i'm going to call you your name your name's bob your name's Eddie. I'm not going to call you Sir Eddie Knight because you've been knighted. Sure, Ed, I'm sorry. Sure, sir, Sir Eddie White, not Sir Eddie Knight. Right. I'm going to call All you. Right. I'm going to call you Eddie. You're Eddie to me. No, right. right. I can call you some things that Lewandowski told me to call you, but I'll. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I don't care. I, I I don't mind. I you know? feel you though, Eddie. Hey, hey, I uh, I know, and yeah. we'll talk Pacers here in a minute. But uh, yeah. Yeah. your your background initially, I mean, you kind of came not your very first job but you worked with the dolphins and you've done a lot of super bowl stuff and this is around the weekend this is the weekend in the nfl but uh what's it like being a pr guy for a team at the super bowl i gotta believe there's madness involved in all of that uh when i was with the dolphins it's always a dream because the the, the city where the super bowl goes we saw it when we was here in indianapolis and i speak on as someone who has worked i worked 26 Super Bowls in one capacity or the other for the NFL. And to see a city uh, for a week, just it, it's your team logo everywhere around that city and the other team's logo. It had to be like the greatest feeling in the world. You know, you work all year with these guys to promote your team and you work with them, you know them, you know their moms, their, their wives, their dads. And then you get to a place like Arizona or Indianapolis and there's your logo. I'd love to see my everywhere. team's logo. It, it, You'll it, never it, see the Lions logo. Dan. I would love I mean, to right. see my team logo, Eddie. <laughs> you know, so one time. The thing is, you know, and I've had a lot of different worlds here, Notre Dame, the Dolphins, Reebok, Puma, Logo Athletic. Uh, we always said we were in the license business. The best-selling Super Bowl of all time for us would be the Cleveland Browns versus the Detroit Lions. Because, <laughs> and because, they're, because they've been around for so long, they have generation, 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 generation that's been passed down. And a lot of people from Michigan and, and, and Ohio have moved to Arizona, Florida, whatever. And those fandom and those those fan bases are huge if they could ever get there and play each other they would, it would be the hottest and most the most expensive super bowl ticket in the history of super bowls you bet and they'd be well represented in bloomington indiana too the lions yes, as would the lions it, the this point in the weekend though you know none of the players are doing interviews or any of that so the pr guys he's not having to worry about the players at this point unless they get in some sort of trouble which has happened before but <laughs> yeah. i mean it's uh at this point the pr guy's just kind of putting out uh sitting in the idle to make sure a fire doesn't pop up or or what well, no, I mean, I, I think you're, you have a pool reporter at your practices that you have to work with, and then the coach still has responsibilities. I mean, there's so much broadcasting. It's not just the network, but there's, uh, you know, the, the national radio network. I believe it's Westwood or whatever it is, um, or ESPN that, that will do it. And, you know, you, those 
top players and coaches still have to have, you know, the, the meetings with the talent to talk about the game coming up. And those are scheduled later in the week also. But, you, you know, the interesting thing is you've heard stories over the years of teams switching hotels the night before a game. And I've heard nightmares. You know, you stay all week, and then Friday or Saturday night they go somewhere else to get away from the stuff. I thought Sean Payton at the Saints had it figured out the best when he stayed in the same hotel, never moved. He just booked other rooms on uh, other floors for his players to go spend the night before so they were away from family and distractions and stuff like that. But I remember John Fox, when the Carolina Panthers, he took them to Super Bowl in Houston against the Patriots. The night before, they go to a hotel like, an hour away from Houston, and they're in a hotel. He said, no room service. The beds are horrible. Our guys got up the next day. They didn't sleep. They were miserable. So it was the worst thing I've ever done. And I, he goes, and I, if I ever go back to the Super Bowl, I won't change uh, rooms. I'm going to stay in that, I'm gonna stay in that hotel. We're not going to change. When he goes to Denver, he takes Denver to the Super Bowl. They go play in New Jersey. And what does he do? He changes the rooms. And what do they do? They got whacked by Seattle by like a million points. So the, the, one of the biggest factors that nobody talks about is that night before the game, the hotel room, whether to switch to hotels or stay in the original hotel. Mm. These are the things that keep coaches up all night. That's for sure. I'm going to ask you a couple of – I'm going to quiz you a little bit, Eddie. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, the NFL team, the Chiefs, obviously, in the Super Bowl. The NFL team became the Chiefs when which team moved to Kansas City? You talking about the Dallas Texans? Ah, well done. Oh wow. Well done. And and the Texans what's what's interesting, the Texans won the AFL title and then like months later moved. Jeez. Yes. Yeah, the AFL was a fun league. I mean, that was a that was you know Kirk Gowdy, Albiro Goddess. I mean, I'm, I'm 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 putting my age out there now, but we had Lance Allworth and John Hadle in San Diego, and it was you know the the, the thing that made the AFL was when uh, Joe Namath came out of Alabama, and the uh, St. Louis Cardinals drafted him, and they they thought they were, he was going to go there, and he spurred them to sign for four hundred thousand dollars, which was unheard of then, to play for the New York Titans, which became the New York Jets, and then a couple of years later he wins the most important game, Super Bowl three, when uh, his his uh, Jets upset the then-invincible Baltimore Colts, what, they were 17, 18-point uh, favorite mm-hmm. in Super Bowl three, and that, that led to the merger, and the rest is history. And how about this one? The Super Bowl winner, of course, gets the Vince Lombardi trophy. But before the trophy, before then, the trophy had a different name. Uh, it was, just, I, was it the NFL, NFL Championship trophy? Because it was, it wasn't a Super Bowl one and two. It wasn't a Super Bowl. <laughs> the Alex Ram. The World Professional Football Trophy. Okay, because wasn't it called the the? It was the, the first wor- two Super Bowls. The because, World Professional. Yeah, and that, yep, the World Professional Football Trophy, and it was only changed. Uh, Lombardi obviously died in '70, and they they changed the name of it. I mean, should they change it to the Belichick Trophy? No, I mean, <laughs> he's won a lot of them. Or maybe the Brady Trophy might be more appropriate. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP. We've heard some people say that maybe the MVP award should be renamed as the Tom Brady Tom Brady Award. Can we put something to rest here? I've heard arguments. The first, the greatest quarterback of all time is Tom Brady. Yeah. There's no doubt. We, there's no debate. It's like greatest golfer of all time. It's Jack Nicklaus. There's oh, jeez. No so uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to get that right through five. So let me. So Brady's one. Joe Montana's two. And then we can start arguing about three on onward. Go ahead. 
comment, Coach. Tiger Woods. Joe, I agree, Joe Montana, but but Tiger Woods. It's just uh, – Hold on a second. Uh, how many majors did Jack win? 18. How many Tiger win? 14. Now That's fine. LeBron's going to win another hold championship. On hold on a second. But MJ's still going to be the GOAT. You're up in a golf tournament. You're runner-up. You're right close to you, – you could have won another major, right? Tiger finished runner-up five times. 14 plus 5 is what? 19. Jack finished runner-up 19 times. 19 plus 18 is 37. There's no doubt. There's no debate. Mike Drop, Jack Nicklaus, greatest golfer of all time, period, end of story. Now, most influential golfer of all time, that's Tiger Woods. But best golfer of all time, Jack Nicklaus. Tiger has 15, just for the record. Eddie's put some thought into this answer. And you dropped your mic. Pick it back up, please, because now we can talk – MJ, LeBron's going to pass MJ in championships, but MJ's still going to be the GOAT. Do you think LeBron's going to win another championship? Oh, yeah. He's got another 10 years. <laughs> another 10 years. <laughs> you got to wait till Bronny comes yeah, out. Right? I know. No, I don't see. I, yeah, I don't see LeBron winning another championship. He well, might score another 10,000 points, but he might. But I don't think he's. Uh, he's his agent is the most powerful agent in the game. Yeah. They're going to bring him the right players, and he'll make it happen. It'll he be, may be an agent himself by that time, but nonetheless, a player agent. Is it possible, Eddie? For player Bronny? Yeah, uh, maybe anything's, anything's possible in today's world, Coach. Anything. That's a good point. All right, here's but, another one for you. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP, named MVP last night. The last nine, and this you gamblers want to pay attention to this, Jimmy. Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy, the MVP. The last nine reigning MVP winners who played in the Super Bowl that year, all lost. Might as well not play the game. I, I wouldn't. Guess I'd just over. cancel it. Guess there's no shot now. Yeah, probably I'll go home. 1999, Kurt Warner, the last one to, to win MVP and win the Super Bowl. See, that gets me. Didn't Aaron Rodgers win two of those back-to-back, and they, he didn't even get to the yep. Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, the I last... mean, how, how valuable are you if you can't even get your team to the Super Bowl? Yeah. How about Aaron Rodgers? More drama than he's worth, or you take him with all the drama? Listen, I, I defer. What drama? I, I don't know anything, but I know people who know stuff. When the Gilbrants and guys who built Super Bowl teams uh, tell me there aren't enough quarterbacks playing today to take to fill all the rosters, I mean, the, the, the days of, of Elway, Marino, and Jim Kelly coming out in the same draft are over. Yeah. Uh, you, you, there are only a handful of quarterbacks. So, you know what? If the guy's a little temperamental, he's a little nuts, but he's still got an arm and he can still fit your offense, yeah, you put up with you take him, and you go try to win some games. So the dark, you know, even though he's in, going to the dark retreat, you still take him. Yeah, yeah I do. You, 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 I you do. Build a bat, if he's still Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Build a bat cave at the training camp and let him let him live in the bat cave. What do you care? As long as he wins <laughs> games, better than the alternative. I think Rodgers is better yeah. than most alternatives. Yeah, exactly. But he's relatively young too, so I mean, yeah, well, I, I know, take a flyer on him. Eddie, I'm going to defend the quarterback position. Being a quarterback myself, you know, in front of every quarterback is a what. <laughs> Center. It's a hell of an offensive line, you know. Yeah. So there's there's probably not enough quarterbacks because there's not enough offensive lines, you know, like the Colts this year. Well, so many injuries. No, that, that's 
ridiculous. No. If you look at if you look at major college football, the, the one of the few. That, the first of all, you, you open up a nice Pandora's box here. One of the few positions that today's college football players got uh, guys to play on Sunday and Monday is the offensive line. There are a lot of positions. Tight end is one. Uh, defensive back to be argues another. Where the old days when Bud Wilkinson and Woody Hayes were coaching, guys were prepared each position so they could easily move in and play that position on Sunday and Monday, meaning pro football. Now it's the money's so great in college. Guys are making so much money. They don't care about Sunday and Monday. They care about them winning. And one of the few positions that NFL people will tell you that's being groomed to play pro is the offensive line. There are very good offensive linemen out there. You need to get them. You need to coach them up. It's very simple. Well, and then maybe the coaches basketball. are the problem. Maybe it's, maybe it's not the offensive lineman. Then I, I said offensive line. I didn't say offensive line. I mean, Lomas Brown was a great offensive lineman, but they couldn't keep people off Barry Sanders, Dave Craig, and Eric Kramer, and Scott Mitchell. Hey, why did that great receiver uh, retire so early up? And if we're talking, if we're going down Lions football, probably offensive line. Football, <laughs> offensive line. We'll ha- we'll have another. Uh, we'll have you on another time and break down the Lions' uh, history of Wait, failure. We got, we got uh, Wayne. Yeah. We got Wayne Fonts on line three. <laughs> Wayne Fonts. Hey, everybody. I've been on the bring back Wayne train forever. Uh, Eddie is the host of the world uh, famous post game show for the Indiana Pacers. In fifteen seconds or less, Eddie, tell us why the Pacers win tonight against Phoenix. Because uh, I think we got the better roster taking the court tonight, so I think we get the W, and uh, you know, get keep things rolling. I mean, I, I like what Kevin Pritchard's doing. It's young. We know we're rebuilding. Okay, nobody promised a championship this year. I like the way things are going. It's going to be fun, and you're right tonight. World's greatest post game show right here on this channel later tonight, baby. <laughs> you did it. Way to go, Eddie. That's remember, awesome. you don't come to Indiana for the name on the back of the jersey, Fife. You come to play for the name <laughs> on the front of the damn jersey. Just get that right. That's right, Eddie. That's We can agree on that. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate He's you. Awesome. Eddie's That's awesome. That's Eddie White, host of the Eddie's Lions. awesome. World-famous post-game show, the Indiana Pacers and the Phoenix Suns uh, tonight. Uh, and, boy, I tell you what, we're not done yet. There are a little bit of Colts coaching news. We'll touch on that. Coming up here with Mike Chappell at the top of the hour. You're with Dane Fife and Vince Welch on 93.5-1075, The Fan. Great to have you with us on this Friday, along with uh, Dane Fife. I'm Vince Welch, uh, producer Jimmy Cook. Uh, it's been a good show. Bo Borowski, we had Steve Alford on. Terry Morin was on earlier. Um, Kevin White, or uh, Kevin Bowen, Eddie White. Uh, we Jimmy got Cook. Mike Chappell coming up a little bit later. Talk about the Colts situation. A couple of developments there that uh, we'll uh, chat with uh, Mike about. And also Reggie Wayne and Dwight Freeney were up for the NFL Hall of Fame or the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Did not get in, and we'll chat with him about that. The Hall of Fame class, by the way, defensive backs Daryl Revis and Rondé Barber. Linebackers Demarcus Ware and Zach Thomas. Offensive lineman Joe Thomas. Um, Joe Klecko got in on the seniors committee. He had a little sip of water with the Colts. Most remember him from the, the New York Jets, but uh, I don't know if his last game ever was played in a Colts uniform. I think it was. But yeah, uh, it's not a lion. But anyway. I don't know. Yeah, no, no lions. Are there any lions in the? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Zach Thomas. Yeah, Zach uh, Thomas, a player. Not a lion, but a but a dolphin. But I, I do remember him. Well, you remember Daryl Revis and oh, yeah, yeah, Rondé yeah, Barber. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure, and, for sure. Joe Thomas, good offense. Yeah, Joe great Thomas, offensive great lineman. Offensive yeah, lineman. one Absolutely. of the greats. Um, Indiana women's basketball, number two in the country, beat Iowa eighty-seven seventy-eight last night. 
balling. Um, yes, they were indeed. Grace Berger, 26 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Uh, Terry Morin, uh, I'm going to make this a new, uh, new slogan, lifestyle uh, motto for me. Doing the work has become a lifestyle around here, she said. I like that. Showing up for work. That was in, good. In our case. Yes. Just show up. Yeah, I mean, show that's up the first thing you got Jimmy do. will do the work. Number one, Purdue beat Iowa 87-73 last night. Five and double figures for the Boilermakers, led by Braden Smith's career-high 24 points and five assists. Zach Eady had 14 points and 14 Jimmy rebounds. Double-double. And we are going to break on 93.5-1075, the fan. Final hour here on a Friday afternoon, along with Dane Fife. I'm Vince Welch, and it's been a good show so far today. Bo Borowski, Steve Alford, Terry Morin all on, and uh, we welcome Mike Chappell onto the program. And, of course, it's a big NFL weekend. You've got the Super Bowl going on, Kansas City and Philadelphia. But, obviously, fans here in Indianapolis are, I don't know if they're more concerned, but I would say the majority are more concerned with uh, what's happening with the Colts. Probably won't know that officially until uh, after the Super Bowl. But, Mike, we did see Albert uh, Albert Breer and uh, Mike Silver with a couple of reports indicating that Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, and Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale are out as candidates uh, for the Colts head coaching position. Surprised by those uh, reports at all? Only that they got out. The Colts have done such a good job of keeping keeping things in-house. And, I, and this didn't come from the Colts. I, I, I'm pretty sure that this is where you tell the guy, and whether you tell him or his agent, and then it gets out, the agent gets it out, the coach gets it, gets it out. So that's the only thing I'm surprised about. And we'll probably hear another one or two. Uh, in the next day or two. Where do the uh, – you've done this for so long. Uh, where do the leaks most often come from? Agents. Mm. Almost always agents. I mean, because – And why? The because they want to keep their uh, client's name out there? Or what's there the advantage and, and, to that? You know, Arizona still has an opening. So, you know, it, it tells yeah. Arizona that this guy's now available right. or, or some other job. It, it, does, it does the coach and the agent no good to keep his name out of out of the news. It's just, you know, my guy's now available. And w- whether or not they're – I think Callahan might be in contention in Arizona. Uh, so it, it always – all the years that I've done this, it's, the agents are really good to work with as long as they need something from you. Hmm. I mean, it, it's crazy how if I need something over the years that I would call an agent and seldom not all not never but seldom get back with you until they need something and then they're easy to get a hold of and that's just the way it works so you know it doesn't surprise it only surprised me that, that it waited this long to get out and i i would kind of expect another name or two to leak that they're out of the running i personally think the colts know who they want uh, i just do it's that far in the process and they to some extent want to wait until the Super Bowl's over, whether that's because the guy they want is Philly's coordinator and and they can't hire him until after the game or they want to go with someone else, Raheem Morris or someone else, and they don't want that to be overshadowed by the Super Bowl. I don't know, but it's really kind of crazy to think that we're this deep into it and they're still paring it down to these two or three guys. I think they know 
They're just waiting for the right time to announce it. What, what did it tell you that the Colts didn't want Gus Bradley, the Colts defensive coordinator? What did it tell you that they did not want him interviewing elsewhere? That they wanted to stay. And that, and that I think I saw a report either nationally or maybe Zach Kiefer mentioned it, that, that three or four of these candidates said they would like to keep Gus here. Uh, and there's there's already going to be massive coaching turnover here because of, because you fired your head coach, you fired your your coordinator, and a couple other guys have left. Kevin Moai and a tight ends coach. The, the offensive staff's going to be virtually all new. Does Reggie come back? I don't know. Uh, but at least if he can keep the defense, the defensive staff is intact as possible. That that gives you some continuity. And I tell you. Guess in that defense, they were pretty good last year mm-hmm. until they simply wore down from carrying the team and then, then injuries piled up. And a couple of these guys have history with, with, with Gus. I think Raheem Morris says, and I know that Gus and Steichen were together with the Chargers for yeah. two or three years, and that always matters. So I, I think they, they the Colts value Gus, and it would really be a plus to be able to have him because the new coach is going to be so much invested in the offense. He just is with a new quarterback. So it would really be beneficial to have a defensive coach that you trust and say, okay, you know, I'll have input, but that's your side of the ball. You take care of that and let me do what I do with a young quarterback on the offense. Speaking of young quarterback, Mike, Dane Fife, how are you? Thanks for coming how on. How are you? I'm tremendous. Uh, what's more important? Getting themselves a great quarterback, young, old, Vince's age, I don't know, or the head coach position. Does one supersede the other? In or- my mind, it's a quarterback. <laughs> it just is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's, I think quarterbacks one, coaches two, and I think there's a decent gap between the two. Uh, I think we saw last year, I still believe Frank Reich's a really, really good coach. I do. So does Carolina. So does Jimmy. But, right. It's, it's just that the way the way the season was and the way this round, well, without yeah. the quarterback, I mean, you just can't do anything. It paralyzes you. Yeah. And me. so I, you, you, could, you could bring in the best head coach ever in the next week. And if you miss on the quarterback, it just you can fire your coach after two years. If, you, if, if it's that bad, yeah. you're tied to this quarterback when he's a top four pick. For three or four years, and if you're wrong, then in three or four years you start it all over again. Yeah, that's so as important as a as a coach is, I think the quarterback really overrides the importance because he's got to be the right guy. Yeah, and and one of the reasons, and I I agree with that, Mike, um, but also one of the reasons that I like Shane Steichen for that role with that quarterback is that the Eagles. And, and even though Jalen Hurts is a, a talented quarterback, I mean the Eagles what were off to two and five start last year, and they they overhauled the offense instead of trying to take the players they had and make them run the offense they wanted to run. They realized, well, this isn't working. Let's take the offense and build it around the personnel we have. And on the run, they changed it. I mean, midseason, they changed it with Steichen's, and Steichen became, uh, began calling the plays. And I like what they have been able to do in regard Philadelphia in regards to adjusting to their personnel. So regardless of what kind of quarterback you get, 
you still have to put him in the right system to succeed. It, it goes back to remember Tom Moore. He said players, not schemes. Yeah, it's always about players. And if you try to, if you're so bullheaded that your scheme is what you're going to run, right? Regardless if that guy fits it, then you're just not going to succeed. So, and again, they're they're going to this is going to be a totally new offense, and you're going to have to have certainly better play from the offensive line and add a playmaker or two. But you've got Jonathan Taylor, who's an elite running back. He just is. So get the right quarterback in here, and you're going to have to. One thing that people sort of forget is they're going to have to bring in a veteran quarterback to sort of be that. You know, I hate to use the word bridge because we've had about three bridges the last three off seasons that, that haven't worked. But I think it's crazy to think that this top four quarterback is going to be the starter from day one. Right. So you got to have somebody, whoever that's going to be, the Andy Dalton types or you know people like that, Mariota, to, to, to get you to win that quarterback's ready. So. Yeah. It's kind of I like, just think it's kind of important. It's kind of like Vince is my quarterback right now. He's my bridge. There you um, go. Until I can, everybody needs really a bridge. That, that tells you how bad a shape Dane is in. I think <laughs> is what that indicates. Um, is it one of the guys that's currently there, Mike? That could be that bridge, or do you see them uh, going outside uh, for that? Let's see no, this one. I think no. Matt Ryan's. <laughs> he's too in, too expensive to be a bridge. Yep. Oof. You can. You know, that's it's thirty five million if he's here. You save seventeen million if you cut him, which I think they cut him in the next month. Yeah, Nick Foles. You know, I, I would say no, but but with 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 a, if a Philly if a Philadelphia guy comes in, maybe. But I I don't know how much he's got left. I'm guessing they just get rid of both and start fresh. I, I realize Sam Ellinger's still here. I don't think he's the bridge at all. Jimmy Garoppolo. But, but if you're doing that, then you then why are you drafting a guy four? I yeah, because he's what is he twenty nine thirty? Young enough. Uh, pretty pretty tough injury. Yeah, and then, and then you know you, you kind of have right. to keep that in mind. The guys that have been injured tend to keep getting injured. Yeah. So so money. yeah, it, it's going to be interesting how they handle this. But they're going to have to bring in a that that mid level veteran. To, to, to help next season, not just kind of start off really bad and get worse. Yeah. So I I, I, I uh, put Eddie White in his place earlier about offensive lines. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're welcome, Indianapolis. You sure are welcome. <laughs> so uh, offensive lines are set play such a pivotal role. Where where does where do the Colts stand? Um, I know there were some injuries last year, and that played a role in you know Matt Ryan and the rest of the quarterback issues. But it's such a big deal. Can the Colts provide enough of a front line to take care of their QB? I don't know. I, I wish I could tell you. The yeah. first thing, though, injuries didn't play a role in it. They were healthy. They, they were healthy. The, the changes, eight or nine starting combos, were because of performance. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, everybody had Nixon. But, but, no, it wasn't like somebody missed four games with, with, with yeah. a sprained knee. So, But, yeah, it's got it's got to start there and – you know, left tackle is Bernhard Ryman the guy? He looked like he might be, uh, but boy, Quentin Nelson's got to play better. Ryan Kelly's got to play better if he's yeah. back. Uh, Braden Smith, I thought Braden generally played pretty well last year. Braden had a great game last night. I saw that. Whenever, <laughs> whenever I see that, I'm thinking, what? Yeah, I, I Braden. The more you can do, the better. You yeah. know. So, so do you think that the Colts? line is more than adequate or at least adequate 
Oh no, not not. I mean, they weren't adequate last year. They they right. had their moments. Yeah. No, but 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 maybe it is if if with Bernard Ryman having another year, okay. having that year, and get guys back on track. They did. Those guys, those three guys, just they, they, it's just strange that they all get bad at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so, but you have to. You you can't just totally remake the line. You can't right. cut Ryan Kelly for cap savings and. I can't imagine what you can do with Quentin with his contract, mm-hmm. but you just you just can't flush it and start over. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just you just can't do that. And yeah. you know, drafting drafting a quarterback first, you, you might have to get up your second round pick to trade up to, to, to get in position to get your guy. So you're limited. So you just have to really have faith and trust that the line's going to get better because they have played well before. Those three guys have been elite players at the positions before uh and you know hope you can get a right guard to play better and get Bernhard to play better and then it's probably not too bad but boy it cannot play the way it did last year because that wasn't nearly good enough run blocking or pass protection yeah not too bad isn't good enough <laughs> i mean in the no, nfl not. i mean it's, it's just not. not hey uh you mentioned jonathan taylor earlier um had right ankle surgery late January, uh, no reason to believe that he won't be 100%, right? Yeah, I mean, he was, with all that he said was going on in his ankle, he had a, two or three pretty good games. Yeah. And, and and the other ones were okay. So, yeah, I think there's every reason to believe he'll be fine. Any the reason? Problems, oh, go ahead, Mike, I'm sorry. Well, the, the, the troubles he had this past year, they weren't his. It, it was the line and the lack of a passing game. So, I thought even with his injury – he played at a, at, a, at a Pro Bowl level. It's just that the injury and the line kept him from being as effective as we saw the previous year. He He's eligible for a contract extension this summer, isn't he? Yeah, he and Michael Pittman both are. Would, Good luck would, with that. How do, you, yeah, how do you see that playing out? I, well, Michael Pittman's going to be paid as a top, I don't know, 10, 15 receiver. So you're talking $20 million a year. I, I don't know. They, they've not shown – that type of inclination to, to invest that heavily free agent wise or money wise and in, in, in receivers, a running back might be a little bit easier, although their, their shelf life is not as long as others, but give Jonathan Taylor a, a three-year deal and see, but this is when you normally do it. They've got so many moving parts going on right now with the quarterback and the receiver and the running back. And th- those can be foundations if the money's right, especially with Michael Pittman, if he wants, you know, the twenty-five million a year money, I, I'm not sure the Colts pony up that much. But that if was a he's pun. reasonable, whatever that is, and the Colts are reasonable, they can get that done. Speaking of receivers, uh, Reggie Wayne uh, and Dwight Freeney both were up for Hall of Fame selection and did not get in. Did that surprise you at all? Well. Since I'm on a Hall of Fame selection committee, I knew <laughs> I knew three week, weeks ago what was going on. Uh, I told you we should have had Mike on three weeks ago, fellas. <laughs> well, but see, he wouldn't have said. Yeah, he would have. Said. He's Loyalty. Week. All I could have done is, as I told someone else, I could like blink twice if they got in, <laughs> and you guys could, if, if you can see through the phone, you would have known. But <laughs> Freeney, not so much because of his first year, but this was Reggie's fourth year, and. We've just got to, we meaning the Hall of Fame, we've got to find some way to get break this receiver deadlock because it's Reggie and Torrey Holt and Andre Johnson, and they're all very similar as far as careers and, and all that. And 
it's kind of like what's your flavor. But the problem is each one is is sort of canceling. They're all canceling each other out Jeez. by by taking yeah. votes. And until we can wow. figure out how to break the log jam, it's going to be hard. Well, it's so difficult too because the standard of of what a Hall of Fame receiver is has changed so much as the game has changed. And, you know, receivers, you know, back in the 70s and 80s that are Hall of Famers didn't catch near as many passes as the receivers are today, but they are considered Hall of Fame receivers because of the impact they had on the game at that time. And, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a moving target as to what gets you into the Hall of Fame if you're just looking at it from a statistical standpoint. Yeah, if you're like Reggie and you played, what was it, 13 or 14 years, and, and you're pretty good, you're going to pile up numbers. Mm. The, the stat that I always use, and it's falling on deaf ears with the Hall of Fame people, is there's only two players that, that rank top 10 regular season and postseason in receptions and yards, and it's Jerry Rice and Reggie Wayne. Yeah. I mean, when you're on that kind of a short list, it tells you something. So why, so why, from those that are other voters that you uh, interact with, what's the argument against him getting well, out? Well, some of it is, okay, the Colts have already got three guys in from the 2000s, you know, with, with Peyton and Edrin and, and Marvin. And, you know, they only won one Super Bowl. If you guys were that good, you know, why'd you only win one? That, that's, that's one. The other is that Reggie – played with with primarily with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and Andre Johnson's best quarterback was Matt Schaub. You know, well that's that's not Reggie's fault. <laughs> it's right. just not. Uh and then like you said, it's it's a proliferation of of stats. It just it, that's a factor. But it's just w- w- this is what we're dealing with and it's you're trying to compare a Reggie Wayne with a with a, with a DB, with a linebacker, with an offensive lineman, and it's just hard. And when we've got three receivers, I went through this several years ago when we had Marvin, and we had Andre, we had Andre Reed, Marvin, and Tim Brown, all in that log jam. Wow! And Marvin had—I'm still stunned that Marvin wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. He had to wait for Andre Reed and Tim Brown, and in his third year, Marvin got in. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just the way it is, but Reggie is, and, and Reggie's also again he's he's a little bit hampered by well you know you had Marvin Harrison over there on the other side well yeah but Marvin had him mm-hmm. so you know you can always find something if you if you're not in favor of a certain player uh, but I I just look at you just look at the resume and look what he did over a long period of time and Super Bowl All Pro. So I, one of these years he'll get in. I, I'm convinced he'll get in. If, if we go by wait your turn and who's next, then the order should be Torrey Holt, Reggie, and Andre Johnson. But it, it's just hard when the three guys keep eating up votes so nobody gets enough votes to advance. Do the Colts have a player on their current roster that's a future Hall of Famer? Oh, boy. Uh, Quentin, maybe, with the All-Pros. Pro Bowls have gotten to be less important because the, getting to the Pro Bowls, I mean, is, is just really – it's easy. It's it's not as important. All pros are big. And Quentin's got, like, what, four all pros? You know, he's got to play another eight to ten years. Explain the difference, Mike, between – because I think some people might be confused that, oh, you mean Pro Bowl and all pros not the same? Well, Pro Bowl is it's fans, players, and – Media, I don't, I, I don't really vote for Pro Bowl anymore. But but it, it's it's three, three it, it's a third. 
all pro is it's it's the people who do the MVP and player of the year and all this stuff, the AP voters, that's who vote on all pro. So it's, I, I tend to, I, I tend to put more, more you know, insiders. Yeah. Yes. Who, who at least, who at least know what they're doing. Yeah. Everybody has biases, but I think there's less with that. The pro bowl. I mean, who, who was the Baltimore court? Uh, Tyler Henley. Yeah. He was a fourth alternate. He went to the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so I, I don't put a lot of stock in that. I pro All Pro is a big deal. Do you have a pick for the Super Bowl? I like Philly. I, do, I like their. I think they're going. The defense is going to get after Mahomes, and uh, it would be nice to have Steichen come here as the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Winning head head you know coordinator. The worst thing would be if they want if they want second, and Philly goes out there and lays an egg on offense. That would be a bad look. Yeah, because uh, it's in your mind is Steichen the front runner. To me, it is. It yeah. just makes sense. I mean, yeah. they they could have named Raheem Morris yesterday or today or Wednesday. Yeah. Because because he's he's he, you can hire him right away. You can't hire Steichen until. After the Super Bowl, that's you just connect the dots, but they could go any number of like five ways right now, and I just want them to end it so we can move on. If you uh, go to a Super Bowl party, Mike, what's this? And you have to take a snack. Uh, what do you have a particular go to? Take a snack with you? Yeah, you know, to a well, Super Bowl never, party. I've never had that before. You got you got something in mind? I no, I was just I didn't know if you had like a go to snack that you would take as a, you know as a <laughs> you know you go to a Super Bowl party you can't come empty handed. What would you take? Oh, you mean like like here in Beach Grove? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not a big I'm not a big exotic guy. I'd take some some nachos and cheese and just sit in my little corner and watch the game and yeah. god he'd be a fun guest to have at a Super Bowl party. <laughs> see i don't even I, I if i go to the super bowl party i gotta be gone by game time because i want to watch the game yeah. you know and, yeah. and fortunately my, my wife's the same way she she wants to watch the game so it's no problem to leave the party early to get to the game in time yeah but you got to take some. What would Dane? What, what you I do? You the same thing. Snack, have your, you have a go-to, go-to snack. I, I, the pigs in the blanket. Oh, that's you know good what one. those are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm a big fan of having my own bathroom. You know, just at my own expense. I don't like going to other people's bathrooms in between quarters and all that. Mike, you know what I'm talking about. I understand. I'm, I'm I'm there with you. I'm not in the bathroom with you, but I'm I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't have. Yeah. Interesting uh, <laughs> bathroom story in relation to the Super Uh-oh. Bowl is, uh, of course, the year the Colts uh, and Bears played in the Super Bowl down in Miami and the uh, the big media, you know, where uh, the convention center where all the media gathers, Radio Row and this, that, and the other. And uh, it was the day that uh, at Super Bowl week, and I presume they still do this, the musical act always does a press conference. Yes. Uh, and um, that year it was Prince. Mm. And I happened to be in the restroom. Oh, that's great. And oh, the, really? great no, story. no, here we are. I'm at the urinal. And a big guy comes in and says, uh, hey, you need to finish up. Oh, boy. And I said, <laughs> well, I'm, you know, in See the old middle pinch of, it off. I'm in the middle yeah. of, you know, pinch it off. Can you, yeah. you know, number one, yeah, 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 I'm yeah, in the middle yeah, of this. Yeah. Number two, why? Right. And he says, because Prince needs to come in and use the restroom. <laughs> and he couldn't come in or wouldn't come in while somebody that's else was cool. in there. So I had to, you know, finish up my business. Is that the most business. famous guy you've ever... Passed uh, Prince on the way. 
Uh, on the way out, would Prince, you, uh, you little guy, him, did you acknowledge little guy. Him, no, Prince? little. He was. You don't look at him, evidently. Uh, I looked, but he was not. Uh, he was not going to. Uh, I would have looked. Exchange no eye. Contact. No, no eye contact. Oh, but I looked. You know, I mean, he's a. But he's a little dude. Yeah. You know, standing behind a couple of big guys. But I uh, had to get out of the bathroom so he could go in Still there. Still one of the all-time great halftime shows. Uh, the best. Is that right? I think. Really. I mean, I'm not. You know. <laughs> You know, Mike, and I, I tweeted something out about this one because uh, it was somebody tweeted something about uh, on this day in history, Super Bowl history or something. And it was the Prince halftime show. And I right. said, what I thought was amazing about that, and I've not seen them all. Of course, you see, you know, you watch on TV or whatever, but it was a stadium show, but somehow it felt intimate. Mm-hmm. He yeah. he made it feel like it was a smaller venue than it was. And it was absolutely phenomenal you guys sound like you went to a michael bolton or celine dion concert the way you two guys are talking <laughs> what was amazing this the amazing story i heard was that you know they're getting ready celine you know dion. second quarter's going on they say okay we're about ready to go out there and they said now listen prince it's i guess you say prince not like mr prince but hey <laughs> Call him prince raining. mike you've earned it it's raining is is that a problem he says can you make it rain harder Ooh. Oh. so that that was it was it was just you know purple rain and yes rain, oh, and raining it was just outstanding, and oh, I, you know, I, I watched it from the press box. I was driving my wife and daughter and stepson watched it outside, so I enjoyed it what? more than they did. Yeah, Jeez. it was it was awesome. It was awesome. You are too, Mike. We appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Be well, guys. Thanks Thank you, Mike. Insight. Yep. Uh, nobody de- brings the insight around the Colts uh, better than uh, I, I Mike Chapel. This this travesty that's going on. You guys forgetting to talk about just Saturday. I'm tired of being ignored. Uh, speak on it. He's going to get the job. I, well, and he's going to do well. Why do you think he's going to get? He's going to do well. Jimmy wants us to break. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, if you don't come back with Mister Misunderstood, you might get broke. <laughs> we will be back. Ninety three five one zero seven five. The fan. Misunderstood. Eric Church. Uh, Dane's been calling for it for two days. And Did finally, he just say misunderstood? Mister Mister Misunderstood. Mister Misunderstood. Eric Church. Yeah. You've been calling for it for a couple of days, and okay, Jimmy, you, you finally I get it. Threatened Jimmy's life. <laughs> he got two songs yesterday. Vince got one today. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Vince made one request. Bang! <laughs> I make it several times. Finally, I have to threat issue threats. Hey, uh, let's bring on Connor Daly. This uh, is awesome. IndyCar driver, uh, Indianapolis native, Noblesville. If you want to be uh, Noblesville, and home of uh, Tom Coverdale. There you have it, and Connor Daly. More importantly. And there's probably a sign out front. Uh, Connor, is there a sign in Noblesville that says uh, home of Connor Daly? I doubt it. I don't think I've done enough to get a sign yet, but maybe after this year's Indy 500, they'll put one up. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) So everybody here knows you as IndyCar driver. Obviously, that's what you have done very successfully and uh, will continue to do in 2023. But you are also attempting to make the field at the Daytona 500, NASCAR's biggest race, coming up next weekend in Daytona. And uh, the first question is why? (laughs) Great question. Um, Honestly, man, life, uh, life changed quite drastically at the end of 2021 uh, when I met Todd Alt, and he's behind BitNile.com, who is really behind all of this. And so, um, you know, it, it was something that has worked out incredibly well for us all as a group. He loves motorsport. He loves what it's doing for his business. And, you know, we, we signed this two-year deal with Ed Carpenter Racing, um, you know, right out the gate. Uh, to get going and then now 
you know, bitnile.com is across all three three of our cars for the whole season. So, you know, that, that's an impressive um, step up. Uh, and then, you know, at the end of last year, he was like, hey, do you want to race NASCAR? And I was like, I mean, wow. sure, <laughs> of course. Not as easy and, as just, oh, okay, I'll race now. I mean, they, they're about as different as black and white. Well, exactly, right? But but when, when when a sponsor is announced as a full-time sponsor, every other team in every other racing series will also immediately go after it because, well, everyone's money hungry in this sport. And so he started to kind of be aware of, of what's available in NASCAR, what it, what it looks like. Um, and he's a race fan as well. And so, you know, thankfully he was, he was only willing to do it as long as I'm the driver and I'm involved. And, and that's, you know, I'm super thankful for that. Um, but yeah, we decided to do the Robo last year as, as kind of a test run. And, uh, and he loved it, you know, got, got a lot out of it from a business side, which is, which is the most important thing. And, you know, it's, it, it's going to be tough no matter what, like, obviously I keep reassuring him and he has, you know, the utmost faith in me, which is really nice. We're with the smallest team, essentially. You know, one car, you know, with the, 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 the TMT racing team, like obviously Floyd Mayweather behind it is really, really cool. It's a great association, but it's just a one-car operation. You know what I mean? Well, so, it's not like Floyd Mayweather is going to be setting up the car. I mean, <laughs> you know, no, I mean, yeah. he's he, he, it may be his team, but that doesn't really make it go faster. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he, he's not the one with the jack stands and the and the wheel guns. So, it, you know, it's it's – it's a it's a unique place to be. It's a unique opportunity. He he likes the idea of um, of of helping out the underdogs, which I which I really respect. And so when this op- this opportunity came, and then it went, and then it came back again because Elio Castroneves was involved a little bit, four time Indy five hundred champ, obviously. Jeez. But Elio will have plenty more opportunities to do the Daytona 500, and I think he would probably want to do it with a slightly, you know, bigger operation, I assume. Um, but I, you know, we kind of had already planned on doing, a, a, like, whether four to seven cup races this year with BitNile, and uh, they kind of just added the Daytona 500 because they had the car ready, and they're like, look, there's a huge upside to making this race, both financially and me experience-wise. And not a big downside because realistically, we're still going to do the other races that we had planned anyway. And what a lot of people don't understand is there's no practice before the Daytona 500. <laughs> Zero, yeah. Wow. It's- so you're going to get in a car. <laughs> you you ran the Cup race last Nuts. year, the Roval, which is a, a road course. And now you're looking at something a little bit differently from a challenge perspective with no practice. How do you feel about that? Well, it's annoying, honestly. Um, I, I think a lot of the drivers in the Cup Series, at least who I've spoken to as well, also find that you know before their biggest race, there's no practice. Seems to be a little bit ridiculous. But NASCAR runs a pretty successful series, so I don't. I wouldn't argue with with their uh, with their strategy. Um, but you know, when you look at the cars that are also trying to make it, they're big teams. It's 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 Colleague. It's twenty three eleven. It's Front Row Motorsports. It's Jimmy Johnson. I mean, it's 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 big names, and all of those people, I'm sure, would like at least a, a run on a car that doesn't run full-time to le- at least make sure it's going to run right. You know what I mean? So um, it's definitely a challenge. It's tough. And, you know, the qualifying side, I'm not as worried about because, again, Daytona's massive. I got on the NASCAR simulator at the Chevrolet facility yesterday uh, because we were also there doing the IndyCar simulator. Um, so I got a little bit of a feel for it, but – you know, the huge learning experience will be just jumping in on the duel. I mean, I've never been, you know, in a giant pack of, of, of cars drafting together 
you know, the truck race I did at Las Vegas was a little bit different because obviously you're not flat out the whole time. There's a lot of lifting and driving involved in the mile and a half ovals. Um, but if you lose the draft, like right out the gate, because you don't know what's going on, I mean, that's, that can yeah. kind of ruin your whole day. So it's, it's going to be tough. It's probably one of the tougher things that I've probably ever done in my life. Chatting with Connor Daly, IndyCar driver who will attempt to uh, drive uh, or will attempt to make the field at the Daytona 500. You mentioned the simulator being in the IndyCar simulator and the NASCAR simulator in the same time frame. I don't know if it was at the same day you were in. Uh, how would you describe the difference between driving an IndyCar and driving a cup car in NASCAR? That's a great question. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, right out the gate, there's a lot of differences in the way the steering is applied because NASCAR Cup cars power steering for us in IndyCar, nothing. So you're you're throwing a lot more weight at the wheel um, in the IndyCar, and with the Cup car, the first thing I noticed was that the steering was quite sensitive because you you do have that assist, um, and that on an oval will be something that you know is 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 very noticeable because you're you know you have to be very you know inch perfect on the ovals when it comes to the steering and and what you're doing and especially if you get you have to make a correction of some kind um, and and obviously the weight and the speed you know Indy cars we're doing 50 mile an hour 40 50 mile an hour faster than the the Cup cars at Daytona essentially when we're at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway but it's a very different style you know what I mean in, in, in at Indy. You know, the four laps of qualifying are the toughest four laps you'll ever do. You know, at, at Daytona, so far, I've talked to Chase Briscoe, Kyle Busch, several other guys are like, yeah, it's easier than driving down the highway qualifying at Daytona. So I'm it's not really – it's I'm not too worried about qualifying. That'll just be something that I don't know about. And, again, it's not that easy. I don't mean to say it is easy, but it's, it's something that with a car with that much drag and that heavy – you know, it, it really comes to life when you put all the cars together in the draft and the speed increases and, and the air moves around and then it becomes crazy. And that is the learning experience. Qualifying, I'll just basically go through the gears and feel what it feels like to be flat out, you know, in, in one and two and three and four. Um, and then the duel will really be where I start learning um, in the deep end of the pool. <laughs> have you met Floyd Mayweather? I have not met him personally yet. He FaceTimed me before the Roval uh, last year, which was pretty cool. Uh, and his quote in the press release for our, our announcement uh, is something I might frame and put in my kitchen at some point. It's very, it was very inspirational. <laughs> I was like, hey, well, that's very nice of you to say. And, and what was that? It was something like, he's got that fighter in him, and I see that. I, res I respect him for that reason. And I, I don't know exactly, but it was something yeah. that I read in an article, and I was like, you know what? I like that guy. <laughs> Con Connor Dane Fife here. Do you do you call him Mr. Money or Money or Floyd? <laughs> Floyd? Can I call you Floyd? What do you what do you I, call him? Champ? I would like to call him Floyd because I feel like we're bros already. Yeah, I bros. want to be friends with yeah. him. I want to hang out with him. I want to be on his private plane at yeah. some point. I don't know if that will ever happen in my life, but if we make the Daytona five hundred and somehow win the Daytona 500, I'm sure that some sort of celebration will be organized. Yeah, anyway, if you meet him, do you give him dat, or do you shake his hand, or what do you, you know, how do you, what's the greeting there? The bro, hug, bro hug? Bro hug. Bro hug. I don't, they might the have a hand embrace, yeah. yeah. The bro embrace, we call it the brim brace sometimes, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's brace. something like I've that. I've never heard so, that. Uh, the brim brace. Oh, man. Yeah. Gosh, maybe <laughs> I'm old different. now, too. Yeah, well, that's, that, yes, yes, you are. Um... <laughs> Connor, I'm a big, uh, I'm a sports guy. I claim to be athletic, not really, but my my whole thing is when when I look at auto racing and 
I don't claim to be you – know, I've been to a couple Indy 500s from Michigan, kind of a football hoops guy, but the preparation physically, can can you talk about or at least give us the idea of how important it is, the physical nature of what you do? Because uh, I just envision, like, if you're in a race, the the it, it seems like the emotions would never dial back. Like, you're always on edge. The stress, the emotion, it'd be like, yeah, I guess to equate it to maybe basketball would be like shooting a big free throw for two two and a half straight hours. I can't <laughs> imagine the the emotional and physical stress that you guys are under when you're in behind the wheel. Well, I appreciate you asking that question, honestly, because it's racing is obviously well, it's always the most underrated sport when it comes to the physicality because. Well, people drive on the road every day, and they can do it while texting and, and eating sandwiches. And you they bet I can. Simple. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know, it's something that you don't relate to a physical challenge. Right. But that's also dumb people saying that. So yeah, I, you I, bet I, I am. I would like to basically <laughs> let them know, like this, what we do is extremely difficult on the yep. IndyCar side right now. I think IndyCars are the toughest cars to drive physically on the planet mm-hmm. um, because of the no power steering. We have the aero screen now, which is about 100, it's 130, 135 degrees in the car if it's a really warm day. Um, you know, we're, we're sweating out 10 to 15 Jeez. pounds of weight during the race. Um, and, you know, heart rates, if there's no yellow flags, I mean, our heart rate, I have this, I wear a heart rate monitor for every race. And your heart rate's above, you know, 165 to 180 for three hours. So, mm. so that, that's, that's incredible. That, that is that's, absolutely that's, incredible. Yeah, it's a higher, you know, it's as high a level as a marathon runner, if not higher, wow. and, and your brain is firing at the yep. highest level yep. it can be at all times, because it hurts if you make a mistake. <laughs> it hurts <laughs> a lot. So it's something that we train every day. You know, I train every day, twice a day. Um, you know, we have wow. personal trainers. We have a lot of things that we do. I've had mental coaches before as well. Your body has to be at the top level because, again, there's there's so few of us in the world that get this opportunity to do races mm. like the Indy 500, to do races like the Daytona 500. You have to be ready because when you make, if you make a mistake at the highest level, it's very evident. So you know, it's it's something that we 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 have to be prepared for. Um, the the physical strain of the Indy car, I would say, is probably higher than than the NASCAR Cup car, mm-hmm. but it's still a very high heart rate activity. That's what I noticed when I did the Roval last year. Is physically, it wasn't as bad for necessarily my arms or my core, but the, my heart rate was still high the whole time, and it was still super hot in that car. So you're still completely drained afterwards, and. A lot of people comment on how, oh, an NASCAR's got to be easy. I promise you it, it's not at all. Yeah. Um, my heart rate right now is uh, 63 beats per minute. Uh, what, what do you got, Ty, uh, What do you got, uh, Connor? <laughs> That's a great question. Let me look. I'm walking around my house. I'm not, yeah. really, I'm not really sure. Oh, yeah, what do you got? I'm at uh, 63. I'm at 88. 80, I'm, well, I 88. Pace when I, uh, I pace when I do interviews. <laughs> there you go. Well, see, I'm just so relaxed sitting here next to Dane because he takes care of all the business. Yeah, I carry our guy, Vince, here. Hey, you're the best, Connor. I appreciate you. And uh, you, I, I don't know that – I hope that people have listening have kind of gained some in, insight into the challenge that's ahead of you, but um, admire you for doing what mm. you're doing to attempt to run the Daytona 500 with 
which uh, is an incredible race, and you're going to do it with no practice, and I wish you the best. And then, of course, uh, with the IndyCar season, your full-time job, uh, you're in a great spot. You do a wonderful job and uh, big fans on this side. So thank you for taking the time to uh, share some some of that with us today. Thank you, Connor. Hey, I appreciate that, guys. And uh, oh, to everyone out there, be sure to tune in to NBC for that first IndyCar race March 5th. I'm, I'm going to sell, sell, sell. All sell it, brother. Race. Sell it. Let's go. Let's go. get them. That's Connor Daly. And uh, we will look forward to that. The uh, season opener, the Firestone Grand Prix, St. Petersburg. And, of course, uh, the NASCAR season opener this coming uh, weekend or next weekend at uh, Daytona with the Daytona 500. Uh, with Dane Fife, I'm Vince Welch. And we have got some big bets. Jimmy is uh, lining up the cash that he is going to lay down on the bets this weekend, including uh, his Kansas City Chiefs. And we'll address Jimmy, 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 those issues when see? we come back on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Hey, it's been a fun Friday. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we opened up with uh, NCAA official Bo Borowski uh, in the noon hour and had Steve Alford, Terry Morin on the program, uh, Kevin Bowen, Eddie White, uh, Mike Chappell finished up there with Connor Daly. And uh, it's been fun, Dane Fife. I've enjoyed these uh, past couple of days. Well done. Honor and a pleasure, Vince. Yeah. Feels uh, like we've been mates for life we were uh, talking about you know what you take to the super bowl party you know do you have something that a special dish that you take and a, a buddy of mine bob texted in and he said schlitz schlitz yeah and that way Ooh. nobody else drinks it you know? <laughs> so he doesn't have to worry about sharing it that's with anybody. awesome so uh do you have what did you say you said pig in a, bl- pig in a, a blanket pig pigs in a blanket, blanket. jimmy yeah. you? you got what do you got jimmy love a buffalo chicken dip oh johnny generic over there had a buddy of mine that uh, it, we call it, uh, I call it, you know, friends, and I call it Dan's Beefy Cheese because it's not like it's a, you know, completely intricate, you know, big intricate recipe or anything, but yeah. uh, it, Dan was the guy that Dan. did it for the it's first another time. another one of those Schlitz type. <laughs> yeah. uh, so whenever I suggest, hey, additions. we can make Dan's Beefy Cheese, my wife always says, you know, not everybody like, uh, like, well, I do. It just doesn't sound good. I do. Yeah. You know, yeah. I Nobody like would it. double dip in your Beefy <laughs> so no, Cheese. But everybody sure. loves it. Oh, they do? Shout out to my buddy Dan Quinn, who Dan, is Dan you. from Dan's Beefy Cheese. All right. Uh, if you're betting a Super Bowl this weekend, last I saw the over-under was 51. So it's like 50 and a half or 51. Make note of this. The over has hit 27 times. The under has hit 28 in Super Bowl history. There was no over-under for Super Bowl one, by the way. So, Jimmy, what do you got? The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me. All right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- Boy, this is how I win. Another stat of note on that over-under. Carl Sheffers, head referee of his 12 playoff games. He's done his last 12. The under is 11-1. and one. Let's get into our plays Ooh. for Super Bowl 57. Going to take the Chiefs to win the money line against the Philadelphia Eagles. I get it. No surprise there. Let's get to the real stuff. Jalen Hurts, over one and a half passing touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, over two and a half passing touchdowns. Going to take Miles Sanders of Philadelphia and Travis Kelsey of Kansas City as anytime touchdown scores. Now let's get into the props. Chiefs, long Longest pass plus longest rush over 62 and a half total yards. Coin toss. We're going tails. Most points oh, scored will be greater than the longest field goal kicked. And the jersey number of the first touchdown score will be under 11 and a half. One and one yesterday. Five and three on the week. Plays on Twitter at the J. Cook. It's the Super Bowl, boys. Come oh, on. Yeah. Let's go. Bet it. Bet it. Tacers and the Suns tonight. Butler and Xavier. We didn't talk much about Butler and Xavier today, but uh, the Dogs and Musketeers at Hinkle Fieldhouse uh, tonight as well. Uh, Tomorrow, IU at Michigan. 
Ball State is at home against Bowling Green. Chirp, and Sunday, chirp. Purdue gets back at it, taking on Northwestern. Boiler up. Uh, who do you got in the Super Bowl, uh, Dane? Anything that Jimmy does. Anything so, Jimmy went Kansas City, so you're going with Philly? We're going with the Philly toughness, Philly talent. I like this prop bet. You know, uh, Super Bowl. Oh, we got to go? Ten seconds? Hard five break seconds. in five. It's over. Hard break. 93.5, 107.5, the fan.